This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Can you smell it? Can you taste it? Can you feel it? It's playoff baseball and is right around the corner. It is right around the corner. It's going to be the craziest playoffs you have ever seen. Whether you're a fan of the format or not, no one has ever seen anything like this before. And it's coming our way. And I can't wait. Here are today's clinching scenarios. The Toronto Blue Jays, better known as the Baby Jays, better known as the Buffalo Jays. They can clinch a postseason berth tonight with the win over the Yankees. I want you to think about that. Toronto is not even allowed to play in their own country. They're playing at a triple-A ballpark, and they're going to be in the postseason. You think that's a special year for your franchise? I can't wait to play Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash talked to the media about what he said to his team about winning the American League East. You want leadership? You, you, you want a man that knows how to lead and knows how to speak in public and knows how to inspire people? I can't wait to play you, Kevin Cash. Commander Cody's buddies, who he calls Cashy. The San Diego Padres, who are off today, can clinch the number four seed and home field advantage in the NL wildcard series tonight with a Cardinals loss to the Brewers. And last but not least, the Atlanta Braves can clinch the number two seed in the NL tonight with a win over the Marlins and a Cubs loss to the Pirates. So we do have some stuff going on tonight. We still have some clinching scenarios. We do have, once again, a fantastic show. We're getting playoff ready here. I hope you know that as we're getting ready for the playoff push. Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic will be here at 315. One of your play-by-play announcers on A's cast and the A's radio network, Vince Catronio, will be here at 330. Craig Wallenbrock is a longtime hitting Hitting coach, hitting guru, has taught a lot of these young gurus. 
was actually a scout for the A's uh, starting in 1988. So he was here for five years, five really good years. But he's a hitting guru. And we're going to talk about the future of hitting. We're going to talk about hitting the approach of it now and the future of it and where it was originally. I can tell you we taped this interview. I didn't know how it was, how it was going to go. He fascinated me. And the way hitting has changed and the way hitting with the, the some of the changes now and maybe going back to some of the old school. I mean, this is the guy. I mean, he works for the Dodgers. He's a consultant for the Dodgers. And obviously, we've been watching the Dodgers, and uh, they swing it pretty good. So Craig is going to join us at 4 o'clock. The former Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion, great left-handers in A's history, Barry Zito will be here at 4.30. And then at 5 o'clock, a former All-Star for the Athletics, now starring in the Dodgers bullpen, gave it up last night to the A's, but he's having a fantastic year. Blake Trinan will be here at 5 o'clock from Dodger Stadium. So Melissa at 3.15, Vinny at 3.30, Wallenbrock at 4, Barry Zito at 4.30, and Blake Trinan at 5 o'clock. Commander Cody, how are you? I'm doing well, Tony, and you mentioned uh, the Braves earlier and their clinching scenarios. For once, the Pirates did something right. They won a game today, and they won a game last night, and I think they won a game on Monday or Tuesday, and that's called a winning streak. Uh, so they, uh, they they are helping the Braves out there. They beat the Cubs 7-0, so that was good for them. I, I had don't have a lot to celebrate with the Pirates this year because they, uh, they're closing in on 40 losses. Think about that for a second. Uh, but uh, last night's A's game was great. I'm glad to see that uh, Ramon took Blake Trinan deep I got to interview Trinan at the All-Star Game a few years ago in D.C., and he's such a, a such a good guy and a great story for what happened. that year. I mean, he was incredible that year in 2018 with the A's. The, the what, .78 ERA, the, the – what do you have, like 30 oh, – high 30 saves. He had 100 strikeouts and like 80 innings. The guy was unreal for the A's that year. And then last year, I don't know if it was the baseball or something, but he just didn't look the same. And he's been a little bit – he's been a lot better this year for the Dodgers. Well, last night's victory, it's not the best of the year. The best victory of the year was that last win in Colorado after everything that they had been through. The road trip to Texas, going to Seattle, one day, doubleheader, air quality was just gross. And a lot of people think they shouldn't have played, but they battled through it. Then get on a plane and go and play at Colorado at Coors Field. And to get that win on that last day of that trip, because that was that stretch where you had to take on the Astros. It was like, okay, what are they going to look like after this? But last night's win, I can easily say it's one of the better wins. And there's a lot of reasons why. A, you can't tell me that these two franchises aren't looking at each other. You know how two alpha males are. Beating their chest, looking at each other, going, okay. You think you're good? Yeah, we're good, too. And maybe, just maybe, we could see each other in the World Series. These two teams are staring each other down right now. And it's great because that's what it should be. These are two of the best teams. They've already clinched. But now it's just about that roster against the other roster. 
And you heard after the game, if you listened to the A's clubhouse show, you heard every one of the A's that came on talked about how, yeah, yeah, this is this series is a big series. You're taking on the team that's, according to Vegas, is the favorite. But you have the third best winning percentage yourself, so they're looking over at you going, okay, Oakland. Yeah, this is a big boy pad game. You better bring your big boy pads. People are going to get hit in this game. It's an old football reference. And I loved it. They got you. You know, they they needed to win game one to, to, to lock down the National League West. And then last night was just, okay, mano y mano. Let's go. Sean Manaya was, he was good in this game and I think earned himself a slot in the postseason rotation for the wild card series. Ramon Laureano came up huge twice, but especially the home run. And now you got a chance to take two out of three, which in the end, probably the most important thing out of this series is the fact that if you win your wild card series, you're going back to Dodger Stadium. You want to have this fresh in your mind that you took two out of three from the Dodgers. You want to have Dodger Stadium, clubhouse, bullpen mounds, game mounds, foul territory. How fast is the infield? How fast is the outfield? How does it carry? How does it carry at night? That will all be fresh in your mind when you go back down there for the ALDS. Remember, professional sports is mental. That can be an advantage for the A's because the team they're playing probably will not have played at Dodger Stadium. In fact, I'll guarantee, kind of looking at it right now, I'll guarantee... If it, if it ended today, whoever they'll play in the uh, ALDS, they didn't play at Dodger Stadium this year. That's a, just not a huge advantage, but a little advantage. So as of right now, it would be, well, actually, that's not true. Hold your horses. I forgot the A's are the two seed now. The A's would play if it, if, if it all ended today. And it's not ending today. But if it did... Um, A's take on Cleveland, and Minnesota takes on Houston. But that's fine. Bring on the Astros. But if it's the Twins, if the Astros can't get out of target field, Twins go to Dodger. They haven't been to Dodger Stadium this year. Just little advantages. I had a conversation. I had a conversation earlier with a buddy of mine going, you know, kind of crazy where the A's are. And they really haven't had anybody have a great year offensively. And Cody, I had you look it up yesterday. And really since the A's came back from the COVID test, Daniel Mingdon, and they came back from their quarantine on September, what was it, 4th? Yeah, September 4th. Nobody's been good. Except Tommy Listella and Lamb for a period. But to- Tommy's fallen off a little bit. But for their normal core players, guys who started the year here, 
They haven't had one guy. Like We're not looking at one guy. The, a- the A's have the third best winning percentage in baseball. We're not looking at one guy as an MVP candidate. It's kind of crazy. And, you know, most teams that are in the postseason, you got at least one guy I guess you could hang your hat on. Is there anybody, Cody, you could hang your hat on for the A's that's not a pitcher? I mean, no, because people are going to fixate on Matt Olson and his batting average and his and his OPS being, you know, batting average under 200. The OPS is very low for a guy with a lot of home runs, but – Oh, yeah. you couldn't. He won't, he won't get a vote. No, no. no I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you're right. There isn't anyone that you could think of. Like, you look at you look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has a bunch of guys. I, I don't know if they really have one guy that stands out for them. Maybe Brandon Lau. You look at Minnesota. Minnesota has this, a bunch of guys that are good. Um, Nelson Cruz would probably be the guy for them. The Indians. It could be Bieber or Ramirez. Uh, the Astros. Uh, who, who are we banking on the Astros right now? They're all. None of them are really hitting anything besides maybe Kyle Tucker. So, and the Yankees uh, have had a good year. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about Brantley. He's he's always been a solid player. And the Yankees have Luke Voigt, who might – I mean, he's your guy. He might win the MVP. I, he's not my guy. I'm just <laughs> saying you have a big – if you have a big year in New York City, there's a good chance you take home hardware. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And then the White Sox have Jose Abreu or Tim Who's Anderson. A monster year. And Tim Anderson's been great too. So, I mean, they've had some guys that have been great, and their pitching's suspect, but – they, you're right, though. There's not a guy on the A's offense you go, hey, you know what? He's having a, a great year. Let's give him some MVP votes. No. It, 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 it's been a year where, for the most part, your starters have been good. Your relievers have been lights out. I mean, you could actually say, I, you know, Deakman finally gave up a run, but he's been fabulous. Liam Hendricks has been great. It's an odd year, but who cares? Because once the postseason hits, everybody's at zero again. That's the nice thing for people like Matt Olson. That batting average goes away. You get to hit reset, and everything goes to zeros, and let's go. But finish it off tonight. Get Mike Fires another win so I can keep doing these statistics in the postgame show. And 51 starts for the A's. He's 26 and 8. All time when he starts for the A's, they're 38 and 14. Get another win. Get Mike Fires another win tonight to end the regular season. And then you got four against the Seattle Mariners. And the bottom line for the Seattle Mariners is now they're booking tea times. Uh, normally be booking vacations, but I don't know how many people are going to be booking vacations. But there's going to be a lot of guys playing golf and uh, their season is over. And I can't imagine like everything you've been through and how hard this season has been mentally. If your team's out of it at this point and you kind of know the statistics kind of don't mean anything. I can't imagine what it would be like to be around one of these traveling parties. Melissa Lockhart joins us here from The Athletic. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. 
I mean, for us in Northern California, we're obviously different from a lot of parts of the country as we're still pretty much on lockdown and the rest of the country is not. But I got to think, and you just heard what I had to say, if you're on a really bad team right now, like it's the last three or four games for the Texas Rangers and you're 19 and 37, and you know these stats really don't mean anything. I mean, I can't imagine the real motivation after this brutal year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. The, the one thing that comes with those kind of teams, though, is there's a lot of jobs available for next season that you're probably playing for. So that's probably the one kind of saving grace for especially the younger players that are there or maybe an impending free agent. But I think motivation in general has had to have been hard this season. I, you know, I, I was thinking about Liam Hendricks and what an amazing job he's done coming into ninth innings when there's not screaming fans one way or the other, either wanting him to get a save or blow it, you know? So um, I think that's hard because closers live on adrenaline and there just isn't any. So this whole season, I think it's just sort of manufactured adrenaline for almost everyone. Yeah. And it's been great to see him do that where he comes out snorting and cussing and, and uh, we get to hear it. And (laughs) he's been fired up for every outing. I mean, this was a year that he, he, he understood this. He understood that he was going to have to figure out a way to motivate himself. As you just said, not easy to do. Yeah. And he's talked a lot in the past about sometimes he can get too inside his head. And so, you know, that probably was something that could have been a danger for him. If it's too quiet, you can think a lot. So um, he must have been able to do something to sort of trick himself mentally into having something else to focus on, which I think is, is a pretty cool trick and shows the maturation he's gone through over the last few years. You know, my job as doing a talk show and pre and post game is I got I got to sell things. And I'm selling right now that this series does matter. It does matter because you got the Dodgers and the A's both sizing each other up. They understand that they're two of the best teams. And for the A's, the fact that if they're going to get past this wild card series, the next round's going to be at Dodger Stadium. I just think the A's playing in these tough games right before the playoffs and these tough games against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium can only help. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it's also good timing that it's not the last series before the postseason. Also, you know, they do get a little bit of a breather when they get back home that they are playing a team where there's not a lot of motivation on either side. So they can do the resting stuff, you know, after they've gone through what is, you know, sort of a, yeah, you're right. Like a little bit of a mini postseason preview type thing. Obviously the, the quality of pitching they're facing from every guy that the Dodgers throw out there is going to be postseason quality. And I think that only helps with the, um, you know, with the lineup trying to get itself right. And then for the pitchers, I mean, I thought Sean Mania, that was a big test for him to be able to go up against that kind of a lineup and compete the way he did yesterday. And I think that'll uh, continue to be the case as Mike Fires gets a chance to pitch them tonight. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think what you just said, you know, the first night you're getting ginger guard throwing a hundred miles an hour and then you got, you know, the, the array of quality arms that pitched yesterday. And then you got this Walker Bueller kid coming back. He's absolutely electric. Uh, I agree. Speak more to that. This is, this is fantastic for these A's to get this kind of preview because this is postseason pitching. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things I think that has hurt the A's over the years has been their ability or inability to hit velocity. And you tend to see velocity a lot more in the postseason than concentrated amounts than you do during a regular season. And so to get literally a staff of guys throwing 95 or above for a three straight series, you know, three straight games in a series 
it only have, be able to help train their eyes a little bit. I mean, the fact that Blake Trinan can come in and his stuff looks relatively similar to the guys that they saw before him is amazing when you consider the quality of stuff that he throws every night. And I would guess that by the time Ramon Laureano had a chance to face him in that last at bat, you know, he'd seen all those other guys leading up to it. It didn't seem quite as intimidating as maybe it would normally coming from Blake. So, um, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it gives them a chance to really see what it's going to be like in October. Okay, Billy Bean and David Forrest are going to do a conference call with you. Are you ready? <laughs> Try to be. Okay. The question is, who are the three you start in the wild card series and in what order? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It doesn't sound like it's going to be this way, but I would start with Chris Bassett. I think that, you know, the way that he has shown – the ability to be so strong mentally and uh, to handle every different kind of lineup that he's faced so far this year. I feel like he gives you the best chance to get off on a good fit foot. Um, although I do see the logic of having him go in the second game too, because if you lose, he's sort of got that stopper mentality to, to keep them in it. But um, definitely he's got to be in there somewhere. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, just because I think he's your best pitcher, you know, period. And he's got to be in there somewhere. And then I think Sean Manaya really has put himself in the position to be that third starter. If you're going to go with three starters, um, you know, there is always that option of trying to do some sort of an opener type thing, um, maybe in a third game, given the quality that you have with your bullpen. But, um, you know, Sean has really turned it around since those first four or five starts. And, uh, you know, he looks like he's going to give up a home run or two every start, but he can pitch around to the fact, you know, that it's, that's not going to hurt him that much. Yeah, here's my dilemma with Lazardo is I don't want him to be the first guy out. I, that is just so much for a guy that has such a little resume to, to put him out there in game one. I could see that just going bad. But then, as you said, game two could be an elimination and game three could be an elimination. If, if, if there is a game three, it definitely is an elimination game. So it's that's why the order for me, do you go Manaya? Do you go Bassett next and then Lazardo third? And really that game three is all hands on deck. Yeah, you know, I sort of think back to, I think it was 2013 when Sonny Gray had to come in and pitch game two after they lost uh, with Bartolo Colon in game one of that best of five series. And I remember in the press box that, you know, before that game started, there was a lot of like, oh my gosh, this rookie's going to have to come out here and basically prevent them from going down 0-2 at home. And he, you know, out-dueled, can't remember who started that game, but you know, it was a one to nothing win that they won on a Steven Boat walk off hit, you know. So here's a guy that had, you know, very little experience as well and was able to kind of come up. And I feel like Jesus has a similar sort of makeup um, to what Sonny had that year. And the fact that he did pitch in the wild card game last year and pitched really well, I think also will give him a little bit of a leg up. But it is a lot to put on any rookie's shoulders to be a stopper in any of those three games. And then I had this conversation I was talking about earlier on the show with a buddy of mine, you know, kind of, you know, when you look at the A's numbers overall, and then you look at the A's numbers since they came back from the, the positive COVID test, the offensive numbers are just really not good. Are you shocked by that? You know, the offensive numbers have been so weird across all of baseball. I, I can't, I've, I've been surprised they haven't hit better than they have all season. But at the same time, if you look around the league, there are so many hitters that are hitting well below what you would have expected, you know, in all three kind of regional <laughs> parts of this uh, 
kind of, I don't know, conference level version of baseball that we've got going right now, um, that I just, it must just be something about, I think the combination of not being able to use video in game and then having less time before game to be in front of video has probably hurt guys that have really relied on having that kind of information at their fingertips during games. I think Robinson Cano had been asked that question because he's having such a good year. And he said, well, I came up when we didn't have those kind of tools. And so he was sort of used to it. And, you know, maybe for these younger players that really are kind of students of the video, um, this has been a huge adjustment for them on top of everything else that's been crazy about that. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. And there's just been a lot of weird ebbs and flows in this season in general. I mean, it's not been that much time since the COVID break. Um, and if you looked at 162 game season, you probably would have found a lot of dips like that offensively with, you know, even a good year for the team. Um, so I'm not sure, but it's just been a very strange year from an offensive perspective altogether, I think. Yeah, later on in the show, we're talking to Craig Wallenbrock. He's a hitting guru, longtime hitting guru, and he brings this up about not being able to watch video uh, in game. And I'm like, uh, there's a reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can see what's happened to the team that, that uh, seemed to rely on that most closely. You know, they, they've really had a rough time over in Houston trying to hit consistently this year. And, you know, guys like Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman have not really look like themselves for much of the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's, there's gotta be a way where they can make it so that it's kind of cheat proof, but also still allow the players to do something if it's going to make the, you know, offense a little bit better. I agree. Like we have the greatest technology that the, the planet has ever seen. We can't figure out a way that a guy can only look at his at bats and you can't relay. I mean, there has to be some type of technology that could limit what you can do video wise, but a guy could still look at his at bats or a pitcher could still look at his pitches. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if my school district could make it so that when my kids find in for his Google classroom, I can't get on regular YouTube anymore. then I feel like that's something that MLB should be able to handle. By the way, how is that going for your family? You know, they're, they're doing pretty good. I think uh, spring was a, a good practice run and now we're sort of in the regular season of it. Um, they're definitely learning a lot more. The teachers have been great about it, but uh, it's it's tough for them not to be in school. They miss their friends. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, my, my, my twins are, are freshmen in high school and I just shake my head. Like I can't imagine not being able to go to, not being able to go to my high school. I, as a freshman, oh, I yeah. starting high school and you can't, and you can't go to school. I just can't even imagine. Yeah, no, it's a no Friday night lights or anything. That's crazy. All right. Well, uh, keep your phone on. We're going to be calling during the postseason. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. God, you know, we haven't even gotten in. We didn't get. When are we going to get into the alternate site? Because the alternate site's done. I thought I was under the impression a while ago that the alternate site would run through the postseason. But then that switched as, you know, you're going into a bubble. They're now into a bubble. So you can't be hanging out in San Jose and not be a part of the bubble. So that just ended the alternate site. Yeah, we're going to talk to Bill Moriarty of the of the Athletics Farm uh, tomorrow on our show at 3.30. So Bill will give us an update on everything that's going on with the alternate site and what happens next. Because he talked to? Friend of the program. Actually, he's just a friend of ours. Uh, the great Fran Reardon, the manager of the greatest offensive team in the history of uh, not even minor league baseball, just baseball. 
Yeah. The great Fran Reardon and him had a conversation. And just to see how, like, Soderstrom and some of these guys, how the young guys finished up and, and you know, that's – at least teams were able to have certain guys – whether it's big league ready guys who can help you. And also let's face it, big league ready guys that are probably going to really help you next year, not, not have them have a year off. And then these young guys who truly are your future, who you want to have them keep progressing in their careers to get them to the big leagues. I mean, nobody, I mean, taking a year off, of anything, let me tell you something. You can go out and take as much batting practice. You can take all the ground balls. You can throw all the bullpens. You can go to the driving range, hit all the golf balls. You can go out and play rounds. Uh, you can do all you want. Hey, you could go out there, play seven on seven in football, throw into wide receiver. You cannot simulate actual games it's not possible it's just not at the highest level they'll tell you like when a everybody's a warriors fan right when when a, when a guy goes down well he can come back and he can shoot you know i remember when i was covering the the, the warriors he could be at the practice facility in oakland he could come over to oracle he could shoot he could run some liners. He could do the drills. Hey, he's feeling better. He can go. But the minute you put him into a game, it's not the same. And then you can't simulate an NBA game. You can't simulate a hockey game. And that's for guys that are hurt and guys that are rehab and they come back. These are guys that are not going to play for a year. A year. You lose a year of your career. That's just some really sad stuff. So these kids that got to actually play at the alternate sites were really, really lucky. And I know Vince got to talk to quite a few people down at the alternate site. And uh, Vince Catroni will join us in, in a few moments. But I, I'm so glad you had that because, you know, especially for the young guys that are your future, if I draft a kid who's 17, 18, you think I want him not being around? You think I want my top players not being around at that age and not being able to help guide them in their professional careers? That'd scare me to death if I was a front office person. If I've, I've just paid a kid X amount of millions of dollars, you don't think I want to see him? You don't think I want to have my coaches working with him? Now, you always got to have trust in your players. There is a reason why you drafted them, because you think they're going to be uh, character guys to go along with their great talent. But uh, if I just gave an 18-year-old X amount of millions of dollars, yeah, I think I want to, I, I think I want him around me. I don't think I want him back home. <laughs> that's just a side of sports. That's, uh, that's a reality. Plus the guys, you know, like a James Caprellian or Dalton Jeffries, or whoever, or guys that you think could be in your rotation next year. You don't want them taking a year off. You want them now going into the offseason like this is a regular offseason. Even though they only got two months, at least they got two months. 
Like I said, you can only throw so many bullpens. And these guys, the other thing about these guys, and this ha- and this this really works for all organizations. Are are you are you calling Vince? Was that time? I thought you said he was calling us. Yeah, he texted me a number to call, so I'm calling him right now. I don't want to interrupt you while you're going while you're talking. So that's why I was. That was one of the greatest points I've ever made, and you just interrupted it. Vince Catronio. What's up, Tony? How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Well, congratulations on a great year with this club winning the uh, American League West. You guys did a great job listening to you every night. Well, Tony, we have absolutely nothing to do with that, as you know. And it's it's been under different circumstances for everybody. We appreciate, uh, you know, the fans' understanding of what we're dealing with. You know, much like for yourself. I mean, you're a fixture around the batting cage. You're a fixture right next to the dugout. That's different for you as well, and you've stepped up and you've put together tremendous shows with tremendous guests as always. It's it's a very different year, and just fortunate to uh, enjoy the product that's on the field, and we'll just see how far they can go. You know, we were just talking about the alternate site, and of course, you did quite a few interviews from the alternate site, and it was just so important that you know the these older guys that were either going to help you this year, or maybe more importantly, they're going to help you next year. Make sure that they stay sharp. And then these young kids, you don't want your top prospects to, to lose a year, let alone Vince. I don't want an 18-year-old who I've paid millions of dollars not being around me and my coaches. I want to I want to have my hands on them. I don't want them back home with their buddies. I just think the alternate site was so important. What did you learn about the alternate site with all those interviews? Well, just having a routine and trying to keep those guys in routine, uh, giving them access to – maybe more uh, technology, Rapsodo and uh, Edgetronics and the other things they've got down there. And I think also it gave guys, you know, let's say like a Grant Holmes, uh, a chance to tinker with some of his grips and, and find uh, you know, ways to, to uh, get more success. I think, you know, a kid like Tyler Soderstrom, who we had earlier on this year, the number one pick, here's a teenager, and he's catching bullpens with A.J. Puck and uh, Paul Blackburn, guys that have big league experience infielders like Nick Allen or around coaches like Bobby Crosby, you know, rookie of the year and an accomplished major league player, uh, a teammate like Eric Campbell, who has some big league time with other clubs. I think that's invaluable for those players. And I, quite frankly, Tony, we don't know what the roster is going to be coming on Tuesday, 28 players. We know that probably one or two starting pitchers won't be on the roster. You hope that Chad Pinder is activated and that, that takes up, you know, a spot for them. But there might be a spot still for somebody from that group that we don't know yet that could be a, a pinch runner or a defensive replacement, uh, something that can just give Bob Melvin another tool in the bag to potentially use in a key situation. I think that'll still be fascinating. And we're hoping to talk with Ed Sprague this weekend, you know, the final uh, you know, kind of wrap-up of San Jose and, and now with instructional league going on, the A's director of player development, and uh, get, a, get that kind of tied in a bow and, and see how it went uh, for the entire year. Yeah, if you're going to be coming from the alternate site, you're going to have to get to Oakland real quick because you're going to have to join the bubble. Well, those guys are already in it. They're in the bubble already. Uh, we don't know the 12 players that were uh, given to uh, Bob Melvin's group. Some clubs have released that information. The A's have not. And that's, that's just their preference at the moment. I'm sure we'll find out at some point. But that's kind of where it is right now. So those guys, are they're around it. I don't know how they're spreading out everybody in clubhouses or what kind of time they're actually getting on the field, if any, or getting a chance to throw bullpens uh, if you're some of the pitchers, but they're with them right now. 
Yeah, Emo told us there's six pitchers and six position players. Okay. So there's there's definitely some options there. And, and look, as as Bob has told you, and he's told Ken as well, you have to have you have to have that with you, you know, and number one, to determine what your roster is going to be and see if there's somebody there that can help you immediately. And then if there is an unfortunate incident with an injury in the series, you have to have somebody already there in place uh, quarantining with the rest of the group and put them on the roster. So there's there's some things that have that they have to have to their avail, and I think that's why it's all been put together like that. How do you like this series for the A's where they're taking on the team that is the favorite in Vegas? Uh, they're the Dodgers. They've been to the, they've won their division eight straight years. Just that old iron sharpens iron right before the season ends. Yeah. And they get Walker Bueller tonight. He's off the, uh, IL, uh, he's going to pitch. He hasn't pitched in a while in September, like two weeks, but he's going to get the ball and they're hoping to get six innings out of him. I just talked with Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers for a total access later on. He's got his starting lineup in there. And he said, look, We've got two days off after the regular season. I think it's imperative to keep our guys sharp and driven right now. And so you're not going to see one of those uh, kind of day-after lineups, so to speak, where you've got all the extra guys getting starts and the regular guys just watching. And it sounds like uh, Dave is trying to keep these guys pushing forward. And we all know the pressure that the Dodgers are under with a team that was considered by many to be the best. And, you know, they, they're in a dangerous spot. You know, they're going to open up at home for those three games, two or three games with no fans in their ballpark and a lot of pressure if they're facing the Reds and they get Trevor Bauer, they get, you know, Sonny Gray in that first game and suddenly the Reds win that game. You talk about really ratcheting up the heat over there. There's going to be a lot of that going on. So I think they know what's at stake uh, and they have to be ready for that kind of pressure. Yeah. I mean, Vinny, this is going to be wild. I mean, this, this wild get this wild card, uh, two out of three, everybody's got a shot. I mean, this is going to be must-see TV. I agree. I mean, I, and look, somebody in one of these series is going to be uh, toppled that I don't think people expected to have happen. I don't know where it's going to come from. I'm not saying that an eight's going to be a one or, or, or a seven's going to be a two, but there's going to be some drama, and especially you know, starting on Wednesday when all eight games are going on in both leagues because the American League starts on Tuesday and the NL starts on Wednesday. It's going to, you know, it's look, we, we all had our brackets out. We all picked Virginia to win, or we all had, you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, Davidson can slide their way into the Sweet 16 and I can get some upset points along the way. There's going to be something like that happening. It's, it's a one-off thing. 16 teams in a 30-team league is a one-off because of all the things that have happened uh, in the country and certainly to the sport in 2020. But I think it made perfect sense for this year to create that kind of excitement and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Who's going to be George Mason? Who's going to be Liberty? Yeah. <laughs> UMPC. Who's going to be Princeton? Who's going to have the back <laughs> cut to the, to the hoop to, uh, to upset somebody? And I tell you, there's, there's enough good pitching out there for one or two games that makes it interesting for a lot of clubs. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And I, I, it's going to, to me, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, the, the big question we have now is who are the three and what's the order? I don't know when the A's are going to announce it. Fires is going tonight, but I don't think he's going to be one of the three. Uh, Bassett's going tomorrow. He is going to be one of the three. Uh, how do you think it plays out? Well, I, I think it's a, great, it's a great mystery right now. I mean, Manaya can start game one, second straight year. He's starting the first game of the playoffs for the A's. It turns out, of course, he was the only one last year. 
a lesson learned for Sean. I like the way he's pitching right now. I think he's focused. I think he's committed. I think he trusts the fastball more now to go along with the changeup and the slider, more fastball changeup, and the sliders there is the complimentary third pitch. If Chris Bassett throws two innings on Saturday against uh, Seattle, you know, two or three innings, and that's like 40 pitches, like a, a side, if you will, then suddenly for me, it opens the door that he could pitch game one because he's on, he's on turn to start game two. And then what do you do with Jesus Lazardo? I mean, Jesus would start, uh, you know, one of the games over the weekend, or do you just pitch him out of the bullpen for a couple of innings and then let that mystery kind of, you know, marinate and figure out where you would use uh, Lazardo in the postseason in that opening round? I personally would like to see Manaya Bassett, and Lazardo, and I have absolutely nothing to do with it. They've got combinations. I'm with you, though. Mike Fires deserves opportunities to pitch. I mean, he's been a winner in this building. He's been a winner as an athletic. He's a veteran that, that just gets the job done. He knows how to pitch around hitters. He knows how to work certain situations. And I think, I mean, I, certainly if the A's advance, he will get his turn. And, I, and I'm hopeful that not only does he get his, get his turn, but against, he gets a chance to prove really how important he has been to this rotation when we talk about the, the stuff of Lazardo and the stuff of Montas and the competitiveness of Bassett. Uh, I don't want to sleep on Mike Fires. I think he deserves you know, some October opportunity to, to move forward with his club. Yeah, I, I, I know you know how I feel about it, and I've been giving out these numbers, and people rather, people rather talk about velocity than win. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. Where are you right now with Frankie Montas? Because the end of the season for him has been sporadic, hasn't been great, but we know how good he was at the start of the year. Well, he's a starter in the second round, but I think he's in the bullpen in the first round. And I think the A's could use him for an inning or two and, and use that dominant stuff. Uh, he's got certainly more experience than a, than a Jordan Weems, who's a rookie, although Weems has been very good for the athletics. But, you know, maybe the stage might be, might be better suited, or they would say, look, this is what Weems has done for us in this uh, early long relief role. Uh, this is what Montas has looked like as a starter here for the past month. Do we want to gamble on that? Or do they say, J.B. Wendelkin's our first long man out in the third inning and then start piecing it together the rest of the way? And then if you do that, how much of the quote-unquote plus relievers are you using in a game where you're trailing to try to play catch-up to win? And how does that affect you moving forward in the rest of the series? It, it, it's uh, a lot of game planning for Bob and for Emo and for David and Billy and the analytics staff trying to decide, you know, how do you map out a game because they do talk about scenarios. What if this happens in this game? Where are you going next? And how does that affect the next game? I think those are things that uh, discussions are ongoing. Can, discussions will continue through the weekend. And we'll, you know, we'll find out you know, maybe late Monday on uh, what direction the A's are going to go in. And then, then the fun begins on Tuesday. We don't know what time they're even playing. Are the yeah. A's going to be an early game? Are they going to be a late game? Are shadows going to be a, a factor here too, depending on the start time? There's a lot still to be considered. Would you rather play a team that you haven't played this year that doesn't have a great offense, but they got really good pitching? Or would you rather play a team who you know all so well and you've dominated, dominated them at home at the Coliseum, meaning do you either want Cleveland or Houston? Right. I, I, I understand what you're saying, and it reminds me of uh, 2006, Tony, from this standpoint. Because the A's, the Tigers, the Yankees, and the Twins were the four teams. Nobody wanted to go to the Metrodome. Nobody wanted to face Johan Santana 
in that environment. Nobody wanted to play the Yankees. You know, in their environment, still in the old building, which was, you know, a tremendous advantage for them, much more than what they've got at the new Yankee Stadium across the street. And what turned out is that the A's went up there, they won two in Minnesota, and they swept the series, and the Tigers took down the Yankees. So what you think is, is expected to happen may not necessarily happen. So uh, to me, I'm, I am concerned on fronts on both teams. I, I, I think the experience still on the chip on the shoulder of the Astros does mean something, even though they have been struggling mightily offensively and maybe they just kind of maybe they just kind of filter they kind of filter away and this is the kind of year that they just want to be over and be done with and 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 say goodbye to 2020 even though they will still whatever fans are going to be around in 2021 they'll hear their wrath because they didn't get a chance to do it this year the other side of it is you get Bieber and you get Plezak and one and two and man you're you're in a you're in a battle and you're going to have to you're going to have to have strong pitching to keep toe-to-toe with those guys. But if you take down a Shane Bieber and you win that first game, you talk about confidence moving forward. I mean, that, is, that, would, that would be a huge lift. And we have to see uh, how the A's will react offensively because, I mean, their offense, as we know, it's just enough. Last night was an example of a, of a just-enough event where they, they found it from somebody. It turned out to be Ramon Laureano's turn last night to get the big home run against Blake Trident, who had not given up a home run, who pitched – a, a ball that was probably off the plate inside, and he still managed not only to make contact and barrel it, but he kept it fair down the left field line. So there's going to be some unexpected moments, I think, starting on Tuesday, and the A's hope to have enough of those to get them to exhale a little bit and get to the next round and, and see what happens there. All right, let's end on this. If people don't know, Vince Catronio follows all of baseball, just not the American League West, just not the American League. He follows it all. So I'm going to take you over to the brackets of the National League, and I'm taking the Dodgers off the board. We're in Vegas at Caesars Palace. Dodgers off the board. Who who, who do you like in the National? And I know we still have ways to go, but who do you like in the National League other than the Dodgers? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because the Padres have taken a hit with Mike Clevenger. To what extent, we don't know. I, to me, until Clevenger pitched just one inning yesterday, they were the second-best team. The Cubs are not scoring runs. Uh, Atlanta has pitching injuries. They're minus Cole Hamels. Uh, Cincinnati has pitching, but not a lot of offense. Uh, I mean, if you're asking me to pick somebody, I, I, I would still say the Padres. I think they've got a, enough cachet going, and Machado, to his credit, uh, has really stepped up, especially with Tatis Jr. struggling down the stretch. Uh, Machado's kind of taken the bull by the horns and he's become the leader that they're paying for I think that's important so if you're asking me to pick one it's going to be the Padres and the bad thing about that town is that they're going to face the Dodgers in the second round so the chance of having a Dodger Padre NLCS of what I think are the two best teams I think are is something that to that we're going to miss out on Atlanta has a very good offense you know they've got an MVP candidate in Freddie Freeman but they're a little shy in their pitching and I think they're going to rely on a couple of young guys pitching-wise, to kind of get them through. That would be quite a story if the young pitchers for Atlanta actually picks up the pace for them and then takes them to the next level. And look out, Commander Cody, you're Marlins. <laughs> yeah, the, the, Vince, the Marlins, the, the Marlins, I talk, I'm the only person on the face of the planet that said that the Marlins are going to make the playoffs this year. And it, I mean, they're holding on to that second spot in the NL, in the NL East. So I'm hoping that they can lock it up here soon. And you're right about the Braves and their young pitching. Uh, Max Freed got hurt what yesterday, but they're hoping he comes back. If he can step up with some of their other guys, uh, they're going to be pretty dangerous in the uh, in the National yeah. League. If Ian Anderson pitches for them 
and he's asked to, 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 to carry some of the load. That's going to be a story. The interesting thing about the Marlins, Cody, you know this, they finished the season with the Yankees, right, in New York. So you've got Don Mattingly taking his team to New York to try to, A, get in the postseason that maybe affect where the Yankees are in the postseason as well. I think that's going to be uh, an interesting story this weekend. Hey, he can just take his ball, uh, his ball club out to Monument Park and show him his monument. <laughs> yeah, let's take a tour. <laughs> oh, so if you guys didn't know how good I was, why don't we just go out there and uh, let's just go see? Well, I think I think this weekend's going to be interesting. The National League is still out, like you mentioned, Tony. They've got so many things that have to be resolved at the back end of uh, of the seating. Plus, who's going to finish in second place in the East, and who's going to finish in second place in the Central, which affects the seating as well. It's going to be fun. I think this is, for all things considered, for fans not being able to come here and, and looking at a you know a, a sea of cutouts in all these stadiums. I think fans have been listening to the games, have been watching the games, uh, have understood that there has been some drama developed on the field. And to me, most importantly, you mentioned this last night, over 200 players making their major league debut this year. And a lot of them are young, exciting players. And I think that's been fun to, to see develop uh, in 2020. Have a great call tonight. Thank you, Tony. Vince Catronio from your A's broadcast team, uh, buying or selling Donnie Baseball NL manager of the year well i'm gonna I'm, I'm, uh, you're asking a biased person i think donnie baseball is the greatest manager in the history of the national league right now away oh, hey our good friend rossi in chicago hey well hey you lost three straight to my bucko so let's uh let's pump the brakes on rossi getting it done uh i think Madden League gets a lot of he should get a lot of votes and mike Schilt too with the cardinals if they make the playoffs i mean they had like 16 days off from the COVID from the COVID outbreak and here they oh, are how many double headers did they play? Uh, it was ridiculous. Like they, I, it, that's actually a really good question. Now I want to say, uh, I don't know why the number thirteen keeps sticking into my head. I, that might be too many, but they played a lot of double headers this year. And the way that team has fought and played, and you know, they've had some. Like Carlos Martinez, one of their best pitchers, has been up and down. He's got put on the IL today, and they're fighting for that second spot in the uh, NL Central. But but the Reds winning. I don't know if you saw it yesterday or not, but Trevor Bauer. Uh, he had a nice, oh. nice, nice little outing yesterday for the yeah, Reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope in buying or selling, you're going to say buying or selling, Chris. You were right when you said he was going to win the uh, NL Cy Young Award. Well, it's it because he locked it up yesterday. That's literally what my question is, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, he. he I was, don't don't think when I saw him on three days rest go eight innings when your guy Degrom limps through six half the time. Uh, that yeah, t- you want to t- you want you. You want to ask me again who's the Cy Young Award? That's my that's friend of the program, Trevor Bauer. Uh, Shane Bieber pitched last night, too, for the Indians. Uh, he won a cool five innings, allowed one run, struck out ten. That guy is unbelievable right now for the Indians. And they won on another walk-off, and they're losing right now one nothing to the White Sox. So Why is he only going five? Probably had a lot of pitches because he had so many strikeouts. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You know- and see, there's the problem is now you're leaving it up to four innings to be pitched by guys who are not as talented as Bieber. That's the that's the rub. Yeah, and I when think you only go five and people go, well, hey, he didn't you know, that's why his record doesn't matter because he you know he didn't get the win and the bullpen blew it. Well, he allowed the bullpen to pick up four innings for him. Yeah, I'm gonna look I'm gonna look to see how many pitches he threw exactly and with the way Manai pitched last night, I've been keeping track of this all year. Do you know what the A's record is when their starters go at least six innings? 
That'd be 18 and 1. 18 and 1. They're 28 and 8 when they go at least five innings. So if you're getting at least five innings out of the A starting rotation, you're uh, more than likely going to win uh, win a game. Like I said, 28 and 8. But back to Bieber. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Bieber threw last night uh, 98 pitches in five innings. Uh, Lucas Giolito, who pitched for the White Sox, how many, how many pitches he threw in six innings? He had 11 strikeouts. 119. It's just not economical. It's just not. And that's and, and let me ask you. Guy can be a star pitcher. If the guy is only going to average 5 to 6 innings a start, how valuable really is he? I think it depends a lot on what that is. What is he giving? What is he doing in those five five to six? Is he get, going out there and getting going six scoreless with nine strikeouts and one walk? Then I think he's very valuable. But if he's going out there going five innings long, three runs, and striking out five and walking four, I mean, I don't. The value is so much less, in my opinion. And there's a lot of other. Well, no, one, no, no one's always going to throw a shutout. That's just that doesn't happen. We're talking about in a 162 game season. You give me five to six on the most part. I don't know. I mean, he really it, – it'll be fascinating to see Garrett Cole through the years with this contract. Oh, yeah. I've been I've been following that story a lot, too. And now that he has his own personal catcher because he needed one, it's like, come on, man. Like, you need a personal catcher because apparently he struggled a lot with uh, Gary Sanchez. Like the Sanchino? No yeah. one likes throwing to the Sanchino. And, like, and, and I think he had eight starts with Sanchez, and he was awful. But the four starts he's had with uh, – um, their backup catcher, which uh, I'll bu- I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna say his name because I know I'm gonna butcher. I need to look at the phonetic saying of it. He, uh, he's been great with him. So Cole, Cole's the guy. And then I want to see what Bauer does. Bauer pitched yesterday on four days rest. Remember, he's was he's been a big advocate of pitching on short rest, and he might even pitch Sunday to try to lock up the Cyong for sure even more oh. on three days rest. <laughs> <laughs> because who knows what the Reds are gonna? If that's a spot where the Reds need to win Sunday to get in the playoffs. Why are you not throwing Bauer on three days rest? So the last three starts for Garrett Cole, two against Toronto and one against Baltimore, he's gone seven innings. Two of the starts he gave up one run. The other one was a shutout. Of course, what happens, what happens, Cody, when a starting pitcher goes seven innings? They win. He won. Then it's six, five, five, six and two thirds, seven, four and two thirds. I know it's a shortened season, but if I'm paying a guy, how much does he get in a year? Like thirty-three or what is it? I think isn't it thirty? Is it thirty-six? Something like that. I, I, you know, you may you may win or lose. I get it, but four and two thirds that that it that's not cutting it. Five. That's not cutting it. Yeah, thirty-six million for Garrett Cole, a year. Yeah. So if I start adding up all his innings for for a year, you know, and you're making that much money, I, you know, you got the kind of stuff that even if you're losing, you should be go, you should be able to go six, at least. And that's and that's. I'm not trying to play get off my lawn, but I'm like, come on, man. Five innings. Five, go look at his game log. Five innings, four and two thirds, five and a third. I mean, it's like you got 
you make that kind of money, you got to eat. You got to eat up innings, whether whether you're in a pandemic season or not. Well, I I just went back and looked at his numbers with the Astros last year. In 15 starts where he won at least seven innings, you know what the, the Astros record was with him going at least seven. I say they 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 only lost one game. Yep, they were 14 and one. <laughs> and I don't even I don't I don't have that in front of me, and I know that. Yeah, he won seven. Uh, yeah, and you look at all these starts where he won at least seven. 14 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts, 11 strikeouts, 11 strikeouts, 10, 14, 11, 10, 6, 10, 11, 15. The guy, he was incredible last year for the Astros. So was Verlander. So I still can't get over that Verlander won the Cy Young over him. Then don't tell me it's because he had one more win. I, Garrett Cole was like, they won like 20-something straight starts for him. We'll see. I'm with you about how he progresses going forward each year with the with the Yankees. Maybe yeah, maybe the maybe the backup catcher is the uh, the guy that's going to help him. Hey, let me let me. Hey, why why did CC Sabathia last so long in New York? Because he can throw a lot of innings. Because he won a World Series in '09. Oh, I, I, that, that's my mistake. I was thinking of CC going into New York. He threw a ton of innings where he pitched like every day for the Brewers going on that stretch run. Why did he last in New York? Because remember, there was a time that he had the issue with alcohol and left the team. Mm-hmm. There was issues where his numbers were not good and he was getting lit up. But he won him a World Series. Garrett Cole, over time, the only th- I mean, he's been brought there to win a World Series. That's it. It's like, so if they don't win it this year and they don't win it next year and they don't, the, the pressure will start to mount. Hey, man, why are you only going five innings? We're paying you what? You watch. A's cast live in three years will be on that story. Remember. Well, Remember when. People don't forget. <laughs> Coming up next, a former A's scout who is considered one of the top hitting gurus of all time. And now, what is he, 73 now? I think I think he told us. Yeah, it's either 73 or 74, and he, but he's up there, yes. Yeah, so he's just a consultant now. But he's been one of the top hitting coaches in baseball. Craig Wallenbrock will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Visit kp.org today. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. If you're looking for some beautiful outdoor dining, then look no further than the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come try the world-famous Chicken Pie Dinner that has been served in Southern California for over 80 years and one of the most dynamic menus in Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop also has a full takeout menu and delivery. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Don't forget, they can also deliver beer, wine, and spirits. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. 
Tired of searching for sports updates in different places? The Xfinity Sports Zone gives you the ultimate sports hub experience, where you can find games, news, and highlights all in one place right on your TV. Follow the teams you love across your favorite sports. You can even use the voice remote to access stats and scores. With the Xfinity Sports Zone, everybody wins. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store for details. Restrictions apply. Requires Xfinity TV service with X1. The face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, was on A's Cast Live and confirmed he is not fake Ray Fossey on Twitter. You can laugh all you want, but I swear to God, it's not me. If it were me, I would say it. First of all, I would never say some of the things that he says. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I just... I, I just laugh sometimes when I look at it. I say, thank God, that's not me. I mean, because I would never. And I'm glad he prefaces it by saying fake because I don't want people to think that some of the things that he says coming out of my mouth. And uh, But, uh, no, it, it's definitely not me. And, and Tony, we're good enough friends, I would tell you. And I would tell you on your for your great audience that fake Ray Fossey is not me. So, you know, enough said about that. I, I Listen, I've been trying to find out for the number of years that he's been there. People have tried to tell me, and somebody's listening right now and saying, ha, 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 it's me, and yep. I have no idea who it is. I have no idea who it is. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcast. The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world. Because modern obstacles require modern solutions. See your Northern California Lexus dealer. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc. or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. Scotty, the go-ahead run with his lead, and that one's hit to left field, down the line, and that baby is gone! So Loriano got something on the inner half, and homers off Blake Trinan, and the A's lead 6-4. to four. That was the call of the game yesterday by Glenn Kuyper on NBC Sports, California. For live streaming A's games, get the My Teams app by NBC Sports. Plus, tons of A's articles, features, videos, and more. Download My Teams by NBC Sports now, the app for the authentic A's fan. Can I give you a podcast I will not be listening to? Which one's that? Uh, Baseball America. Listen as Billy Butler talks back control his 10-year MLB career, and so much more. So he I think did, I'm going to miss that one. I think, well, I'm glad to see he surfaced somewhere because no one's heard about him ever since he left Oakland. Oh, he was playing softball. Oh, all right, well, beer league softball? Uh, yeah. yeah. Three years, 30 million. Only played one year. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be listening to that. <laughs> I think I'm going to skip that podcast. All right, yesterday we caught up with Craig Wallenbrock. He used to work for the A's for five years starting in 1988, so he was here for some good times. This guy years ago used to throw BP to Mark McGuire. He's one of the great hitting gurus of all time, and now he's a consultant for the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to break down what hitting used to be like, what it is today, and what the future holds. 
Craig, thank you so much for taking the time. We truly appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing well. You know, it's always interesting when you start talking to people who help change the game. And, of course, uh, you worked for the A's. You were a scout. But now as a hitting guru, and you've taught all a bunch of these new hitting gurus, uh, it's it, it, it's fun to talk about because years ago, you didn't get instruction outside of the organization. Now so many people hitting and pitching-wise, they do get instruction outside of the organization. Yeah, that seems to be the trend today. Uh, I really don't know the reason for it, but I'm grateful for it because that's involved me a lot. Are you still with the Dodgers? I'm still with the Dodgers. Uh, my role with the Dodgers, I'm uh, listed as a hitting consultant to the organization, and that's basically to the minor league or uh, minor league coaches and minor league situation. That's always a great gig, the consultant, because the consultant never has to be around for the wins and the losses. <laughs> I take them pretty hard. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, what you've been teaching these young Dodger kids, they come up and uh, – it, 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 this offense, it, it's pretty amazing. The, the talent they have at the big league level, and you'll know more than I, the talent at the minor league level, uh, I, I don't know how many organizations in the history of baseball have been this stacked top to bottom with talent. Yeah, I think what's interesting is uh, you look at clubs like Atlanta and the Yankees who had long runs of winning championships, but they got old because it was the same players. And as you look at the Dodgers, we seem like we're young every year because we have a nice balance of guys we've developed on our organization, plus free agent signings, obviously, like Mookie Betts. But the combination of the two and having players in the minor leagues that we can trade to other organizations is a real, is a real plus. So it's been a front trip for sure. Well, the person who pointed that out yesterday, we had Rick Sutcliffe on the, on the program because he was calling the game last night on ESPN, and he brought that up. He goes, if you go back all the way to, like, Clayton Kershaw, it's like every single year it's, it's, it's either one or two new guys who come up and really contribute. It's like the fountain of youth just keeps, just keeps producing guys for the L.A. Dodgers. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, Will Smith is the example this year. He's really come on. And it's great because he's a great young man. I'm really happy for him. What do you think is the difference, like, from when you first got in baseball and how people taught hitting to where we are now with how you guys teach hitting? I think the big thing is the video. And I was exposed to the video, uh, I can't remember when. It was before I even got into scouting or coaching. Uh, lived in the Arcadia area. And there was a, an old ball player who took the, a bowling alley, bought it, and turned it into a hitting cage. But he basically gave lessons based on his video work. The guy's name was Babe Dahlgren. Uh, most people remember Babe as the guy that replaced Lou Gehrig when he finally had to step down. And it was through going in and talking with Babe that I got interested in using video. And the video kind of showed me what they say today, the difference between what's real and what's feel. People always describe things on what they felt or what they were told in the past, but really weren't really observing what was going on. And the video allowed us to observe the hitter. I think that's the big thing for me anyway. 
And, I, and wouldn't you say we can say the same thing about golf? As oh. golf, you always had an instructor sit there and look at you, and you'd see where the ball was going, and they would tell you. But now, you know, over the years, the ability to use video, now you can see your swing, and now I can see why I'm hooking it. Now I can see why I'm slicing it. And I remember back when I was a kid growing up in San Diego, the legend of Tony Gwynn, where he would bring a VCR on the road and he would tape his own game on the road and then he'd come back to the hotel and he'd watch the video and then in san diego when he was at home his wife would tape the game at home they didn't have video at jack murphy stadium he would have to do it either at his hotel room or or his house so it was amazing how tony gwynn helped also usher video into baseball oh for sure and you know i remember a lot of the old ball players when i first got into it saying, look, I played X number of years, I don't need video. And to me, it was like the caveman saying, my fire's good, I don't need electricity. Uh, it's there. It was technology that was there, and it came from golf. And I think golf was the first to utilize it, and probably football. And baseball kind of was kind of a late arrival on the scene. But now, I me mean, look at a guy like J.D. Martinez, and he's really upset because video is a part of his preparation as it is for so many players. You look at some of the players now that traditionally have been great hitters who are struggling in the short season. A lot of those guys were big video users. They base what they do on observation. And with that being taken away during the pandemic, I think it's affected a lot of people in their hitting. And the sooner we can get back to utilizing that technology, the better. Yeah, and also part of the problem is uh, people figured out how to take that technology and uh, learn to cheat with it. We know the Astros got punished. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, they've looked at the Red Sox a couple times, and there's rumors about other organizations. I just don't know how you allow video, after what we saw at least the Astros do, how do you allow video during the game now? I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. I, I know that video using to look at your swing or looking at the pitcher and getting a feel for his your timing on your swing from watching video of him throw and seeing how the ball comes out of his hand. I don't consider that teaching. I just consider that using the modern technology. It's when you take that technology and put it in the center field camera and relay that one way or another or even having a guy wired and beeps in his helmet or whatever. I don't know the answer to that but I don't want to wipe out the technology and the use of that technology because some people have overused it. Now you can make steel into a nice surgical instrument to save lives, but you can use it, make it into a bullet to take it. Uh, how do we control how people use it? I don't know. I really don't. I wish I did. Yeah, I, I mean, me too, because also working in the NFL, everything that they have on the sidelines, you know, video is a great teaching tool and I just hope that we can figure it out to where guys, for pitchers and hitters, everybody can utilize it. We can get it back in the game. Let's talk about approach because we see so many guys now, you know, we were taught back in the day as hitters to hit the ball back up the middle. Well, now you can't do that because they got a guy standing there and it's an easy ground yeah. ball out, right? So, right. and they're now taught, you know, guys want to, guys don't want to hit the ball on the ground anymore. Guys want to hit the ball in the air. Talk about the new approach. Well, I don't know that it's really a new approach. I, I tell people say, okay, well, you're the guy that got started this 
uh, launch angle revolution. And yet I never use the expression launch angle. I just go back to, I, I couldn't hit and I couldn't figure out why. And Ted Williams made so much sense to me. Instead of swinging down on the ball, he said, you want to get on plane with the ball so you stay on the path longer. And as I started thinking about that and started teaching that and figuring out how the best hitters did it, there were a lot of guys that thought they swung down on the ball, but they didn't. They, they just were natural hitters or somebody put the teach on them, in Ty Cobb's words, that allowed them to hold angle and get at that angle and stay through the ball longer. If you do that, you're more likely to have as a miss a pop-up than you are a ground ball. So what I originally said was, I'd rather have a guy hitting fly balls than ground balls. But I never really talked about the launch angle. Somebody figured out the launch angle. One of the analytics people figured it out and said, that's what I was talking about. And I guess I, I guess I was. I don't know. <laughs> well, again, coming from golf, uh, you know, launch angle was something it, it, people got to realize in golf. It's it's not like they were trying to make the players better. They're trying to sell golf clubs. So they had to give you like they had to give you all the golf speak of why you need to keep buying new drivers and new irons. And they yeah. give you a launch angle and spin rate. and all, all that stuff's been in golf for a long time. Well, before baseball ever had it. Right. And it's funny, though, you mentioned that, but the bat really hasn't changed all that much. We use different woods, make it a little lighter, might taper a little bit. But if you look at early bats, yeah, they were heavier, but the shape has not changed as much as I think the golf club head has changed. Are you amazed at how hard all these young pitchers are throwing these days where on a nightly basis we're seeing 97 to 100 miles an hour and even more than triple digits sometimes? Yeah, that's that's been the big revolution, and it's changed hitting because hitting is just a reaction to, to pitching. Uh, but I, I never thought I'd see as many guys touching 100 as I see today, and I don't really – I think, again, maybe uh, the use of video, better mechanics, better nutrition, just better overall coaching because what the video has revealed to us as to what is the proper sequence to maximize thrust or whatever you're looking for. And would you also say that these hitters are seeing such high velocity at such a young age. So by the time you get through high school, you either go to pro ball or you go to college. So by the time you get to the big leagues, you've been seeing this velocity since you were very young. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. The more familiar you are with something, the more you figure out how to adjust to it. And I think that's a big part of what's going on in baseball today. You know, one thing that that kind of bugs me about our ball club, the A's, is sometimes we get in that rut where, you know, we just don't make a whole lot of contact. And it's the three true outcomes of home run, strikeout, walks. And there's times when we're just not hitting the ball. As a hitting instructor, yes, you want power. Yes, you want the ball in the air. But how do you get these guys back to the mentality of, maybe a two-strike approach, or maybe you don't even like a two-strike approach. How do you get these guys to make more contact? Uh, that's a good question, and I think that's a, that's a work in progress right now, trying to figure that out. 
And I think what's happened, if I can digress a little bit, is the, the change in pitching. It's not just a change in pitching. It's a change in umpiring and a change in catching. You've got these nice, tight, form-fitted uh, chest projectors and gear that the catchers wear that the umpires also wear. They used to have that big balloon chest protector, and they didn't yeah. call the low pitch. Now they can get down, and for a while they call nothing but the low pitch, but then pressure was put on to call the whole strike zone. So the mound has changed up and down to get pitchers more velocity. The umpiring has changed, and they're calling a bigger strike zone uh, than they ever did before. And the pitch tracks helps umpires establish what that strike zone is going to be. So I think all of these things combined has brought about the changes that we're seeing and has forced, and it's just forced the idea, well, it's made it more difficult to cover both inside, outside, backwards, and forwards. Pitchers are throwing more off speed than ever before. So it's not just covering, like I said, one part of the plate. We have to cover up, down, in, out, and because of the amount of breaking balls and off-speed pitches, backwards and forwards. This is why I think you have a lot of the strikeouts today, and we're trying to figure out maybe we find, need to find a way to go back to Wee Willie Keeler and just learn to hit them where they ain't. Yeah, especially with these shifts. Um, we know the ball's different. That's That's been proven. Mm-hmm. There is a belief by our pitching coach, Scott Emerson. He goes, there used to be four, six, eight broken bats a game. Now there's hardly any broken bats. Is the bat different, like the sealant on the bat? You know, I don't know. You'd have to ask one of the bat companies that. Just in feeling bats in my hand, I think they're using just better wood than they've ever used before. And maybe there is some kind of a seal on it or... Maybe it's a guy that's just hunting pitches more than ever before, and so he's not chasing and fighting off pitches. Like you said, two-strike approach and try to hit them where they ain't. That meant more broken bat singles, more weak hits. Now it's either hard or nothing with this kind of worshiping the exit velocity. Let's let's end on this. Your time with the A's, you, you were there – with Oakland during during glory times, you know, three straight right. World Series. What what was that like for you? Uh, at the time, I was having a blast. I really, Dick Beauregard was uh, was our scouting director, and he was a great guy to work for. He was easy to work for. Uh, during part of that time, Merv Rettman was the hitting coach, and I got a chance. Uh, that's kind of he piqued some of my interest in hitting, just talking with him about some of his ideas. So it was a fun time to be there. Uh, way back when, when Mark McGuire was first signed, he would come over to where I was coaching junior college, and I'd throw him and a few other guys batting practice before spring training just to get them ready for spring training. So I had this long-time relationship, and it was fun. It was just a great time. Craig, you're fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Thank you for the time, and uh, let's do this again soon. I appreciate it, and thank you for uh, thinking of me. That guy has seen a lot of hitting, and he has taught all the new gurus. And what I think can be really 
fascinating. And I think there are guys who are doing it now as we speak who are driving the ball for power and they're putting up the numbers from a standpoint of putting the ball in play. And we saw a lot of guys do this during the steroid era. Now, obviously, we know what was going on. But go back and look like a Manny Ramirez stats. You know, you look at Bonds' stats. You can look at these guys. They didn't strike out a ton. They put up not monster home runs, batting average, RBI, which led to what? Great OPS, great war, OPS plus. I mean, you name it. But were they necessarily facing the velocity that guys are throwing now? No. I found it funny where he starts talking about the chest protectors and how things have changed equipment-wise so umpires get a better look, and and now they're forced to actually call the strike zone. (laughs) Oh, God, all these years, what a joke it's been. Why wouldn't you call the strike zone? Isn't that your job to call the strike zone? There's a definition of what the strike. Oh, no, 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 Chris. It's it's baseball. Every guy's got his own strike zone. He's high ball. He's low ball. He's inside. He's outside. That's a joke. That's really. I mean, can you imagine? We're talking NBA and going, well, he's got, he's got fouls he likes to call. And he's got other fouls that he likes to call. And they can just make they can just make it up. And, and you're just going to accept that, oh, yeah, this guy calls charges. This guy calls this. This guy, I mean, at that point, at some point, you, you, you'll get out of the league. Now the, And now, now that we track balls and strikes, it's going to lead to an electronic strike zone. We'll never have to deal with that. I don't know what year that is. But it's going to be Major League Baseball just did, did the deal with the Atlantic League. They're going to do more testing with things than the Atlantic League. But uh, there's there, there's been some nights this year where the umpiring behind home plate has been brutal. It's just, it is. And, and you know what? To be fair for these guys, when you've got a bunch of dudes up there throwing 99 miles an hour, I bet it's hard, really hard, probably harder than ever to call balls and strikes. The human eye to pick that up. There's been a Dustin, lot of Dustin was, made ginger guard the other night throwing 99 with movement. You know how hard that is to judge. It's going to be interesting now. But you're right because there's been so many uh, atrocious is more some of the uh, strike zone calls I've seen for guys. Uh, the A's are going to see Walker Bueller tonight, and they're going to catch a break. His uh, four seam rolling average is 97 miles an hour. He's not throwing 99 like uh, ginger guard does, and. Joe Kelly throwing 99, 98 with his two-seamer. And Bueller's, uh, Bueller's sinker only goes 97. So they're, they're catching a break in velocity today. And Vince actually put – Vince Catronio just put this tweet out. Talk about Tommy Lestone. You are talking about strikeouts. When Tommy made his A's debut in game two in Houston on August 29th, the A's were last in the league in strikeouts. Now they are ranked fifth in the AL overall and have the fewest strikeouts of any team in September in either league. So when you're getting a guy that focuses on contact, it's not striking out. Tommy struck out like, what, three times now with the A's, I think, because he struck out once last night, and everyone's like, what, what's wrong with Tommy LaStella? Uh, it, it's great to see that a guy, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm such a proponent of launching on home runs, 
the, a guy that focuses more on getting on base and hit, you know hitting the ball the other way, and just hitting, just making contact. Then, oh, you know, I'm going to go up there and take a walk, or I'm going to strike out and hit a home run. I'm starting to come around more on the idea of we got to get more of that going because we're seeing this year the length of games, uh, the three batter minimum. Let's put that in. It's going to speed up games. Uh, games are longer this year. Um, from what I saw the other day, I think games are around three hours and seven minutes long. That's longer than games were last year. So the three batter minimum really is—is is it really working right now? I don't—I don't think it is. And I, I already explained this to—I uh, think I told Alex Jensen this when I did the podcast, the Ports podcast. And I think the three batter minimum is a joke. I don't think that I don't—I had no problem with relievers, all those relievers coming in, because clearly it's not slowing down the game from what we're seeing right now. With games still taking forever. Yeah, oh yeah, the problem's the players. It's not the game. We can establish that all day long. A- a- everything's up every year. We're hitting the most home runs every I mean, this year obviously will change that. But every year we hit more home runs, every year we have more strikeouts, and every single year we have longer games. But if you can figure out, like some guys are having years this year I mean, if you can hit for power and hit for average, look at how high guys' OPSs are. And when you hear average, people act like it's a dirty word. Well, average means you're also hitting doubles, triples, other than just base hits. What would you – I mean, the A's, last time I checked, they were third in baseball in doubles. You look at their run scored, it's not – I think they were 15th. Getting walking isn't 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 making them a, a, a great offense. You got to do more than hit home runs. Yes, walking's great. Working counts is great. But you need to you need to put the ball in play. And guess what? When you get into the postseason, if you think you're just gonna walk and home run your way, like you can be enamored by the Dodgers' home runs, but they, they hit the ball all over the ballpark. And they're athletic. I mean, they, they, they're they a team that does everything. I mean, Mookie Betts is the type of player that does everything. Cody Bellinger, I know the average isn't there this year, but, I mean, he's a player that's changed, and he can do almost everything. Justin Turner, I mean, these guys, these guys are legit. Seager. <laughs> he's pretty good. Seager. <laughs> yeah, I looked. The A's are seventh in uh, Major League Baseball and walks at 200 and – 18 are tied with well, the Braves. Check they were third. Wow, they've dropped. Yeah, they're two. They have 218 in walk. Uh, they have 218 walks as a team. I'll, I'll refresh this page to make sure that. Uh, well, by the way, we have breaking news. Is this about the Pac-12? Yes. Go ahead, break it. Uh, where's my breaking news sounder? Oh, I should have been prepared for that. Um... I mean, If you are a fan of college football, if you are a fan of Pac-12 college football, if you're like the great Bob Melvin, Marcus Simeon, Mark Canna, Roxy Bernstein, you're a Cal Bear, or you're like Steven Piscotti or Susan Slusser, and you're a Stanford Cardinal, or if you went to SC or UCLA or Arizona or Arizona State, Washington State, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah, Colorado. Am I missing anybody? I think you got them. I was waiting to see if you were going to get Utah and uh, Colorado or not. Oh, are you kidding me? Um, 
Pac-12 just voted to start playing college football. So the Big Ten was the first one to say, man, we're not going to play this year. And then the Pac-12 was like, yeah, we're not going to play either. And a lot of the smaller schools decided not to play. But the big boys said, we're playing. And they are playing. And all of a sudden, the Big Ten went, wow, they're playing. And the Pac-12 went, wow, they're, we're watching these teams play. <laughs> and uh, seemed to get a little pressure. So the Pac-12 will be playing college football this year. Breaking news, they have just voted on it. I think it's, what, November is when they plan on starting? So, like, I know it's a little later than expected, but they're so they're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see. Cal, I mean, I love going to Berkeley for Cal games. I, it's a great. I mean, will there be fans? We don't know. Probably not. But probably not. I love going to to that stadium watching Cal play, and uh, and they they they're getting better. I know that this is a baseball show, but when something like that happens, where we have a lot of people that are Cal or Stanford fans in this area, uh, it's breaking news. Yeah, it's breaking sports news. Yeah, good to see it. And I just totally, I, I was, I was actually researching something, and then that came up, and now I, I have, I have no idea what I was going to say. Well, I was talking about the A's walks, and they are seventh in the league in walks at two eighteen. You know who's right behind them in ninth? The LA Dodgers at two twelve. So the Dodgers, uh, they know how to get on base too from via the walk. And you look at strikeouts, who struck out the uh, the least in baseball. When you look to see where the Dodgers are, the Dodgers are. Where are the Dodgers? The Dodgers have struck out 441 times. That's 26 to Major League Baseball. Uh, that's pretty good. We saw last year where Houston had the most strikeouts by a pitching staff and they had the least strikeouts by a lineup, but we now understand maybe why that happened. Uh, but you, the Dodgers are – they're the team oh, you want to be. did you mention the Astros? Did you mention the Astros? I just had them up in my notes. Oh, my God. Uh the Astros have lost 13 of their last 20 games, hitting 216 during that time. Jose Altuve has not homered in the last 32 games, and his 311 slugging percentage is the third worst among MLB qualifiers. Yuli Gurriel is hitting 130 over the last 16 games. Now, you can go down the line. These guys are struggling. You know, like we said, the only guy that's hitting off for them is Brantley. And even Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker, their their prize outfield prospect, who's putting up a ton of RBIs, his batting average isn't there, so they're they're really struggling this year uh, all around. Besides Michael Brantley. Oh, I kind of remember what I was going to do. Um, what's the most important thing an offense can do in baseball? Score runs. A's are fourteenth. Yeah, I mean, there's there there's. There, 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 there's an outlier in there. There's actually two outliers in there in the top 10. I didn't know Jacob DeGrom was in there. Uh, Phillies, but it's not. Their offense is not the reason they're not making the playoffs. They're fifth. It's because their bullpen stinks. And then the Angels, it's their pitching. But look at all the teams that are just run scored. I'm not going to go through anything. No other offensive statistic. Just run scored because that's all that matters is how do you score runs? The top 10 goes like this. Braves, Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, Phillies, White Sox, Angels, Giants, Blue Jays, Rays. They're all in the playoffs except Philly and Los Angeles, and that's because their pitching is just horrendous. But everybody else is in the postseason. 
You know, we just talked about how bad Houston's struggling offensively. So the A's are 14th and the Astros are 15th. I mean, there's different ways to win ball games, but it's just, you know, scoring runs. The home run hasn't been there like it normally is. Let's see where the A's rank home runs. So we talk about the three. They're 17th at home runs. There's 16 teams in baseball. More than half the league has more home runs than the A's. Would you? Is that hard to believe? It is because the A's were, what, fifth last year in Major League Baseball in home runs hit? Behind the Twins, Yankees, Dodgers, and I want to say the Astros. You're right. They're tied for seventh in walks. They're up there in strikeouts. Oh, no. Like I, like Vince said in strikeouts, they, their strikeouts have gone down with Tommy LaStella, but overall. Yeah, they're 17th in strikeouts. That's better. Their batting average isn't very good. Their batting average, they are 26th in baseball, 224 team batting average. Their OPS is 18th. I mean, it, it, I mean, the offense is not the reason why this team's going to the playoffs. Safe to say? Oh, yeah. It's the the, the pitching in their bullpen. Yeah. The, the bullpen the, has been great. It's been the offense. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Barry Zito right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. Tired of searching for sports updates in different places? The Xfinity Sports Zone gives you the ultimate sports hub experience, where you can find games, news, and highlights all in one place right on your TV. Follow the teams you love across your favorite sports. You can even use the voice remote to access stats and scores. With the Xfinity Sports Zone, everybody wins. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store for details. Restrictions apply. Requires Xfinity TV service with X1. Looking to stay up to date on all things A's? Head over to athletics.com slash A's cast. That's athletics.com slash A's cast to listen to A's baseball and full 24-7 coverage of the A's only on A's cast. With a single click, you can stream great shows, live pre and post game coverage, and of course, all the great action of the A's this season. Head to athletics.com slash A's cast today. The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world. Because modern obstacles require modern solutions. See your Northern California Lexus dealer. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc. or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use. Hi, I'm Kathy Adams, president of the Oakland African American Chamber of Commerce. As the impact of COVID-19 grows, OAACC believes it is important that the African American community hears directly from us in regards to mitigation efforts you may enact it to reduce the risk to your family and loved ones. Recent data reveals African Americans are dying from COVID-19 at disproportionate rates than other groups. 
experts cite diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and lung disease as factors. It is imperative that we institute safeguard measures listed on the OAACC website. We will be conducting virtual forums with African-American experts sharing how we must conduct ourselves during this pandemic. OAACC has taken up the mantle to be caretakers for our community. Visit us at OAACC.org. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's a World Series champion, American League Cy Young Award winner in 2002, led the American League in wins in 2002, a three-time All-Star, a two-time A, Barry Zito. He was a terrific left-handed pitcher, now singer, songwriter. Don't forget, he was the rhino on the mass singer. Earlier today, got a chance to hook up with Barry. Barry, it has been a while. Uh, how have you been? It's good to see you. Things are good, man. We're, you know, holding it down in Nashville and uh, trying to stay healthy and stay, you know, stay out of the out of the mix like most people right now. So we, we've been good, man. We haven't been too affected by the, the COVID, luckily, but we've also been keeping our heads underwater. So. Well, it's this time of the year where uh, I know you're real busy with music, but you know, it's where we start talking about playoff baseball. And right now the A's are in this series with the L.A. Dodgers where, you know, these are two of the better teams in the game. And before you know it, going to have a day off on Monday and then start the wild card round, which is just three games. I mean, how crazy is that going to be? Whoever wins two out of three is moving on either to Southern California or to Texas. It's crazy, man. Yeah, that reminds me of back in college, like you'd play the regional, you know, the super regional. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool, man. I think, you know, obviously baseball has had to adjust to these crazy times this year with COVID, but uh, the fans are in for some really good stuff here coming up. What was the playoffs like for you as a younger player and then as a veteran player with the Giants? Um, You know, I think as a young player, you always – have this kind of bravado and you don't quite know what you're up against. Uh, you're just stoked to be like in the playoffs and, you know, playing on TV and people on the news are talking about you. At least that was for me. So I didn't quite know what I was up against, but you know, as a veteran player, you do know, you know how uh, unusual it is to make it to the postseason. So you really want to capitalize on that opportunity. Yeah. Cause we're not talking that you were playing in small markets. Now you're playing against the New York Yankees. You're playing against the Boston Red Sox. You were playing on the, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest stage in all of baseball when you were young and playing for the A's. Yeah. Yeah. We seem to always go up against those East coast teams. Um, you know, again, which just makes you rise to the occasion because you're out there in old Yankee stadium or Fenway and, I mean, there's no better atmosphere for playoffs than, you know, somewhere on the East coast with those crazy fans, man. And what do you remember back in 06 about you and Johan Santana? That was a very special time really for both of you in your careers. Yeah. Johan obviously was, you know, he was like the best left-handed pitcher. Um, he had one or two Cy Young, I think at that point. And uh, I remember specifically in that playoff game, uh, we faced each other in the first round of the uh, division series. 
06, but uh, I remember he, he had not lost a game at home in over a year. And so I, I had heard that. And of course, you know, I didn't know if we stood a chance because he, he'd always shut us down. But Frank Thomas came up big and uh, I think he hit two solo homers off Johan and uh, we ended up winning two to one. Yeah, that was uh, – you look back at what a quality series that was. And really, just about all the series you played in with such good, high-quality baseball. Sometimes they get away, team sweeps the other team, just dominant. Uh, the series you played in were always so close, and they always came down to certain pitches. They're always very exciting to watch. No, absolutely, yeah. I mean, for better and for worse, too, because we – you know, I remember in uh, 2003 – uh, we were, you know, I pitched against, uh, Pedro in game five of the division series. And unfortunately we didn't make that happen, but I remember Manny Ramirez hit a homer off me in the sixth inning, put them four to one. And, uh, I think that was very exciting for the other sides fans at that point. Um, but I specifically remember Manny literally didn't round first base for, it must've been a minute. I mean, it felt like five minutes, but dude, he was literally just like slow motion walking down. And I was so mad because I think he was just pimping that thing as hard as you possibly could. And, you know, he had a right to. It was a big homer, but still, I'll never forget that homer he hit off me. You know, before, before we start talking about this new song that you have, uh, the book Curveball, we brought you on and said, you know, how big it was for someone like you who had all the success that, that you had in your career to talk about how it always wasn't so easy and, and the things that you went through and the struggles and the demons. How has the book gone for you, and uh, has it has, has it exceeded expectations? Yeah, I mean, the book for us was just – it was a passion thing, right, for for me and, and, of course, my manager who's been helping me with this vision. But, you know, it's just something where I wanted to just be totally honest about the stories. And, you know, we see people on TV, and it's easy to um, – kind of see it as a whole glamorous thing, but really on the inside, usually in somebody's head that's out there on the mound or doing something, you know, that we think is special as onlookers, there's usually some darkness in there. And so for me, I just wanted to shed light on that and really express to people what it was like for me to deal with fame and money and all the things that, you know, me and everyone else thought that was going to be, you know, uh, lead to all good things and, and eternal happiness. And, Ultimately, it um, it created a lot of obstacles and difficulty that I had to overcome, but that led to a lot of wisdom in my life. So, you know, that's one thing that I talk about with Bob Melvin or really any manager or any leader of a sports team is that, you know, you've got to manage these 25 guys now, 26 and now with COVID 28. I mean, you've got to manage not only the, the struggles that they're having there at the ballpark. But you, you got to know if your player is having issues away from the ballpark. I mean, there's so many different variables that a manager, everybody wants to think it's just about analytics and numbers, but that's not the case. You still have to have somebody manage the people and they have to be really good at it. Yeah, that's right. I think that's a, an underrated skill uh, on the manager side because you just feel like if you have talented people, uh, everything's going to go perfectly. And how many teams have we seen that, you know, on paper – uh, it's probably the most talent in the league, but it's usually the teams of the scrappy guys that just get along and um, really don't care about, you know, what, how good they're supposed to be. They're just having a great time. It's it's those guys usually that put together World Series teams. So just type in Barry Zito Curveball. You can still get the book online very, very easy, and it is a great read. Talk about this new song you have that you've written. 
Yeah, we came out with the song. Um, you know, I'd written a bunch of songs in Nashville over the years. And so this one, I was always attached to this song. It's called Ballpark Kids. And uh, that's the cool thing about songs, you know, is, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be written yesterday to be relevant. And uh, if it's a good song, people will connect with it. And so this was a song that, you know, I'd written over a year ago. Uh, and it was one that I'd always wanted to record. And, you know, so the timing was just right. You know, it was kind of a, a baseball season that was a little strange and no fans. And I just figured it'd be a nice uplifting thing for people that had played baseball as kids. And most of us have, you know, here in this country, we grow up playing catch with our moms or dads. And um, so the song ballpark kids is just about being a kid and uh, growing up on a baseball field. And uh, there's a line in the song that I love, you know, it wasn't girls books or skateboards. It was numbers on the scoreboard. And uh, it just, you know, when you're a kid playing sports, you don't really care about anything else. And uh, you kind of have that tunnel vision. So the song's really fun. And the way it was recorded was really fun and upbeat. And, you know, it's just a feel good song. And these songs that are being timeless. How many times have you, have you heard, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I mean, we've been hearing that our entire careers, for God's sakes. Oh, yeah. We can, like, count on one hand, like, the baseball songs that we always heard, right? Like, um, you know, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Or, yeah. you know, put me in, coach. Or, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, even the Journey song, right, from uh, – you know, don't stop believing. I mean, I know that's a kind of a Giants thing too, but I just hear that song. I mean, and, and I always heard that song and it was just like, it, it fired me up to play baseball. What is it like for you as a songwriter? Cause I can tell you, I, I know you're going to like this. If I type in Barry Zito right now, it says American musician. It doesn't say major league baseball player. I, I bet that makes you proud. That's really funny. Hold on, I gotta try that. Let's see here. It did for me on Google on my Google Chrome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but then it's all pictures of baseball. That's funny. Um, yeah, well, you've I'm, had two careers. It's great. You know, for me, like, there's a guy that inspires me, and his name is Mike Reed. And you know, Mike Reed was a Pro Bowl NFL football guy for you know for the Bengals in the '70s, and then he ended up writing songs in Nashville, and he became a, a songwriting Hall of Famer. And so, you know, it is possible. Uh, but, you know, I think for me, you know, music being my first love, I just always wanted to to do that and spend my time doing that. And um, but it's been humbling. I'll tell you, when you're in a certain field and you do something for fun, you you always think it's going to be fun. You think you'll have that relation to it when you go into that fun thing as now your your career it can be, you know, bittersweet. There's, there's difficult days when you're doing this all the time. You know, it's not just like jamming with guitar, like cool, you know, hanging out with my friends. It's like, no, I'm approaching this very seriously. And a lot of times when you put all your eggs in that basket, I mean, it's, uh, you just have your good and bad days, you know, but overall it's great. When you hear someone sing your song and you know, it's going to be successful, what is that feeling like for you? Um, you know, that's a feeling that's really incredible. I mean, if you can write a song that somebody else is going to sing, then that means that you truly did your job as a songwriter. Um, and, you know, there's there's outside writers who write specifically for other artists, and then there's artists who write for their own songs. And so that's kind of what I've enjoyed transitioning into um, lately is uh, writing songs for myself that I'm going to cut, you know, that music that nobody's heard yet, but stuff that is much different than anything we've heard yet. Um, a little more urban, a little more pop, a little more synthesizers and uh, probably a darker lyrical content. Probably not going to be as much of a pick me up as some of my other music, but 
<laughs> I think I got a lot of darkness inside that uh, that I need to put somewhere, man. So, you know. Well, you know here on Ace Cast Live, whether it's music, whether it's a book, whatever you're doing, we'll always help any way we can because you know what you will always mean to the A's fan base. Yeah, well, Chris, I appreciate it, man. It's always fun coming on with you. And, um, you know, I, I just appreciate the support. And it's always fun to talk baseball. I mean, to be honest, I forget. I, I actually do forget that I like have this whole other skill set that, you know, I guess it would be in coaching now, but I, it's, I can tend to forget that I had this whole other career because I'm so immersed right now, but um, it's nice to talk with you and remember all those wonderful memories, you know, on the field in Oakland. Well, I can tell you this, you know, what we've been doing with, with these like ring central or Google Meet zoom calls. It's good just to see people's faces. It's one thing to hear people, but it's good to just see people good that you're doing well. Congratulations on the second career. We'll never forget your first career, but uh, keep going on the second career and we'll talk to you soon and be safe with the family. Thank you so much, Chris. You have a great day, man. Barry Zito. Still just a great guy. He's a great guy. Fun to have on, too. And, you know, the last couple times we've talked with him, other than about his book, you know, he really has moved on from baseball. I mean, he is a songwriter. He is all in. It's kind of cool. I mean, to have a second career. You had a, a, you had a kick-ass Major League Baseball career. You, you, you made a ton of money. You got to the top. And then that's the thing with a lot of people is you retire, but you retire, you're a young man. And then it's now, what do I do for the rest of my life? Especially if you are not looking to be in the game anymore. You know, so many people who played major league baseball didn't make enough money that they don't have to work for the rest of their lives. Most guys in the history of this game had to find jobs and find new careers. And speaking of his career, you know, it's one thing, like he said, when you're you're just having fun and you're dabbling and this is, hey, cool, we're writing songs. But when you go, hey, uh, I'm going to try and do this for a living, even though he doesn't need the money, but he wants to do it as a professional, the game gets a lot harder. Stakes get a lot greater. And one thing that I've noticed about Barry Zito is he's happy. Every single time we talk to him, you can tell he's happy. Because his book, you know, showed that there is some dark in there. And as he mentioned, there's some dark in there. And he may be writing some dark songs. And then also cool that we can see him by doing our Google Meets. And by the look of his place, uh, Cody, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Barry Zito when he when he pitched his last year with the A's, when he came up, he had the beard and that, and he, you know, he looks, he looks like he's still in good shape. He had the, he had the backwards hat on and the beard. It was cool to see. It was, I mean, I haven't seen, I never met Barry personally. I, I grew up, I, I thought he was the greatest thing ever when he was pitching for the A's because that 12, six curveball. But now seeing him as a songwriter and everything in that house he has, first of all, that house is incredible. And he was like doing the interview from like his studio, which is even cooler. And I swore it looked like he was playing like Call of. Like, it looked like on his TV in the background. He, I don't know if like him or if someone was playing Call of Duty or something, or maybe it was just the nature. But I don't know. But some someone was on his TV. I kept like trying to figure out what it was. But yeah, he just looked you know happier than ever. 
uh, and what he's doing. And he and he mentioned that how he loves writing songs. And I listened to some of the songs. The song's pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm glad to see he's found a second career uh, outside have of baseball. It? I don't have it right now. I listened to it the other day, but I can get it for us for our show. Some maybe probably tomorrow. Yeah, we got to promote it. Do you want some A's news? Do I want some? No. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't. I don't. No, you know, no. I just like to skip right over A's news. Why would I want A's news? Uh, JB Wendelkin placed on the injured list. James Caprillion recalled. So. What's uh, the uh, What's the injury? I'm looking at the. um, It's a great question. Bob Melvin. What time? Oh, that's after four thirty. Bob Melvin talk. Uh, I I got the email from our press release, but I'm going to look on see on. It doesn't really say what the injury was on the press release. I'll see what, if anyone has it on Twitter. Uh, nothing. Uh, Susan just said nothing specific yet about Wendelkin's injury. So there's no specifics on what the injury is. But Wendelkin on the IL and Caprellian recalled. So Caprellian's back, friend of the program. Well, that is not good. No, he's been great out of the bullpen for the A's. So, 10 days, that means he won't be able to come back. I mean, how does that work for the postseason if you get put on the I, uh Are there different rules? I mean, what, what what are the rules if you go on IL right now? When can he come back? I always thought that if he's on the postseason roster, I think you put someone – now, this is just me going off, but um, – I think, spitballing. Yeah, I think if you if a guy's on the postseason roster and he gets hurt and you bring him back, you just replace someone that's on the roster with him. You know what I mean? What I'm saying, like maybe say say Caprellian's on the roster starting for the playoffs, and when Delkin comes back, you just take Caprellian off and put Wendelkin on. I don't know. Specific, I don't know if it changed going for 2020 with the the eight you know the eight team uh, playoff field, but uh, and and Bob hasn't spoke yet. It's at five o'clock. I've been told by the great Robert Costa. He just texted me saying that. Five o'clock for Melvin's presser, so maybe we'll hopefully we'll find out more then. Will Bob be announcing the starting rotation for the playoffs, the three-game wild card series? Will the great Bob Melvin be doing that today? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe it's going to wait till Sunday and just keep it, you know, like a secret. Here's my only thing. How much time do we have? Um, about seven minutes till Trinan's supposed to call us. Well, I want to get a, a break in, so how much time do we have? Uh, I don't know, probably three minutes. Okay, let me get my timer here. I, I, I don't want to be smartest guys in the room. And what I mean by that is making decisions – Based off, I don't know. How do I want to put this? Throwing all your relievers at Yankee Stadium. It didn't work. Just think you're going in with the hot hand with Manaya When Manaya had barely pitched. Didn't work. I want normal decisions. You know, regular decisions, not oh, throw this guy a couple innings, throw this guy a couple innings, not announce anything. Athletes are at their best 
when they're in a normal environment. And this environment from the get-go is not normal. So let's let's not make it even more non-normal. That's why I would have liked, if it was me, I would have started Chris Bassett today. Because remember, there was the day off. He could have started today. That would have given him Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, regular day to throw. I don't care if it's the Dodgers. I don't care if they have a great lineup. I'm keeping him in form. He's at a point to where he's peaking. This isn't the end of 162 games. He's peaking. He's pitching the best he's pitched. Let him go. Let him go five or six. Stay normal. Whoever you want to go in game two, have them throw Friday. Game three, have them throw Saturday. Normal decisions. Not trying to be the smartest guy in the room and pick some type of deal where, you know, you know, I just done that two straight years and it didn't work. That's what I would like to see. Like, we know Shane Bieber's going to throw game one for the Cleveland Indians, right? Yes, and uh, who else? There's no mystery to that. Yeah. You know. You know who's doing it. Garrett Cole's going to pitch game one for the Yankees. No, is he really? Are you sure? You sure he's not going to pitch two innings here, and then he may he may go game two or game three? I mean, it's like, just do some normal, just normal. Keep these guys in a normal mind frame. What's wrong with that? Why doesn't that why why doesn't that work? I mean, we're we're in a position right now we have no I mean, I don't even know if they know right now if they if they know. I mean, has anybody thrown the ball better than Chris Bassett? No. I'll make it so, easy for you. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. All right, coming up next, Blake trying in the Los Angeles Dodgers right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't. Because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. Tired of searching for sports updates in different places? The Xfinity Sports Zone gives you the ultimate sports hub experience, where you can find games, news, and highlights all in one place right on your TV. Follow the teams you love across your favorite sports. You can even use the voice remote to access stats and scores. With the Xfinity Sports Zone, everybody wins. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store for details. Restrictions apply. Requires Xfinity TV service with X1. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. If you're looking for some beautiful outdoor dining, then look no further than the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come try the world-famous chicken pie dinner that has been served in Southern California for over 80 years and one of the most dynamic menus in Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop also has a full takeout menu and delivery. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Don't forget, they can also deliver beer, wine, and spirits. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. 
Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world. Because modern obstacles require modern solutions. See your Northern California Lexus dealer. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc. or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use. This is Chris Townsend. If you're looking for a new mattress, look no further than my friends at nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. You'll get the ultimate mattress for your needs. And green and gold fans, right now, if you use the coupon code Oakland, you'll get 10% off your entire order. That's use the coupon Oakland to get an entire 10% off your order. Remember, nestbedding.com, America's favorite online mattress brand with stores around the Bay Area and around the country. You need a new mattress? You go to nestbedding.com. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Can't wait for game three of this three-game set between the Athletics and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, this is, as we said, and we'll keep saying it, it's one of the favorites from Jim Harbaugh, iron sharpens iron. And it'll be interesting to get Blake Trinan's feel on this series because I already know listening to A's players the last two nights the game these games mean something I mean these two teams are eyeing each other up and we thought about that this could be a preview of the World Series now joining us from the Los Angeles Dodgers, it was always great having him on A's Cast Live, and it's great to bring him on from Dodger Blue. Blake Trinan is with us. Blake, it's great to talk to you. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, you know, let me <laughs> just tell the story. What was always cool when we were doing the show next to the A's dugout, how you would always come by and sign baseballs for the fans. Not a lot of guys did that. You know, you were always one of the most gracious A's that we've had. Well, thanks. I know that uh, there's probably a lot of people out there that take for granted the platform we have. I know if I was a kid and I was listening to a radio show or, or any any age really had a chance to have something like that, it'd, it'd go a long way. So, you know, fans make it make the game worth it for us. So anything we can do to give back is totally worth it. As a reliever coming out of the bullpen, you know, usually the fans and the roar of the crowd, and I think either Oakland or Dodger Stadium, and you got all those fans, and now the fans are not there. Has it been hard for you to find adrenaline on some nights? No, I mean, it is different. I mean, you never know how, like, fans being in there affects you until you go through a year like this. And, you know, I... I I seriously do think that a lot of guys thrive on the energy that the fans bring. Um, I know I, I do, uh, but to say like it, it affects things in any way, probably probably not. Um, but I think the people at this level find, are, are really good self-motivators, intrinsically motivated. So we find ways to, to take any little thing to motivate us on the mound. And that's, that's kind of like what you, what I've had to do this year off and on, just trying to find ways to, you know, just trigger, you know, like this uh, controlled aggression approach to the game. So yeah, it's different for sure. Certainly wanting fans back in the stands. You know, you've been on some really good teams in you, in your career, 
how do you rate this Dodgers roster versus the other really good teams you've been on? Well, um, I think it's just filled with like veteran superstars. Um, you know, Oakland had a lot of like young up and coming superstars and, um, you know, you see like just the close knit group that they were over there and like, it's a bunch of superstars here who are close knit and like being able to just mesh in young talent and like, you know, filler pieces and, uh, just seeing the guys around the clubhouse. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's different for sure, but, um, you know, each team is unique to itself and, um, every team is, that I've been on has had an identity that has made them successful. So, um, I would, I would just say the biggest thing that I see over here is just like from top to bottom, there is a comfort level from the GM all the way down to like the first day in the big leagues type player um, where, I mean, it's not just business. It's like, which is nothing wrong with that by any means. So I'm not saying like, it's not wrong to treat it like a business transaction and like do your job and, and move on. But like more of how can I connect on a personal level and make these players super comfortable. And that's, that to me is what stands out here. Um, but when you, when you talk about the, the quality of people, I mean, you know, here in Oakland are probably, um, I can't even just say here in Oakland, everywhere I've played has had just great quality people. I've been very blessed. Well, the one thing I do know is you still have a bunch of buddies over in that A's clubhouse and, and I've mm-hmm. talked to guys in that bullpen about you and, and you, and I mean, just talk, talk about that, seeing these guys for the first time, because you, you, you got some close friends in, in the other clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely weird. I've never played against, uh, you know, the Nats after being traded away. Um, so, it's, you know, this is the first time I've ever had to like suit up and see the uh, team you played for across the field. Um, super pumped for them, you know, to have that chance to, win the division, which they have now, and then and then not be stuck in a one game play and, you know, like that's that's great for that group of group of guys and for the coaching staff. And so um you know, just right now it's you know, you try to like interact and, and see how they're doing, catch up, like, you know, reminisce a little bit, but then once that's over with it's you gotta compete. And I know that's how they approach it when they look across at me and that's how I approach it when I look across at them and Wish them all, all the luck, but, uh, you know, we have our own goals over here to accomplish, and that's that's really what we're trying to just put our head down and focus on. When you think about this series, as you guys have the best winning percentage, the A's are the third best winning percentage, how good is this for both franchises to have a tough, almost playoff-like series before the actual playoffs start? Um, you know, it's... I don't know if you can say any series has been easy this year because there's so much there's so much pressure on each game with it only being a 60-game season. You can almost argue that for a lot of teams, the whole year has felt like a like a playoff. And um, you know, but playing playing you know these elite quality teams late definitely has got to be you know a benefit for both programs. Like, I guess the program, Jimmy my college. Now both both the organizations, um, you know, moving forward, you're, you're gonna be playing the best. You know, I think it's cool that the that the league expanded the playoffs. The one thing that I kind of knock with the whole playoff system is, you know, the A's win their division. There's no benefit from winning the division or being a last place team. You know, we win a division. There's no benefit from winning the division or being a last place team. Everybody's playing a three game play, and you know what I'm saying. So yeah. there's no like 
home field advantage because you're, you know, in LA, even though there's games being played here, we're going to Texas, Oakland. There's no home field advantage yet. They get to stay in California, which is great, but fans can't be in the stands. So, you know, there's really, it's an inter- it's interesting. It's hard to criticize because, you know, the uniqueness of this season. But um, it'll be it'll be cool to see how, how both teams play out and move forward. So what were your thoughts of Mookie Betts as a player before this season? And what are your thoughts now that you get to see him on an everyday basis? Well, I mean, probably the same as anybody in baseball. You look at, you know, what he does on the field, and it's it's pretty incredible. But, but I think the thing that you miss is all the little details. Like, you know, you see the big hits, you see, like, the big arm. But, like, seeing what he does from play to play, like keeping doubles to singles or um, people feel like they want to challenge him, and he, it shows time and time again, like, he can't run on me. And then, like, seeing how he handles young players in the clubhouse and – you know, I always think it's almost like a like a player coach mentality, but not but not like over the top. So I think good coaches know how to get the best out of each player, and he finds ways to keep things loose and fun. And you see guys like Edwin Rios and Beatty, and like I don't know, even myself. Like I've seen him like affect me in a positive way, but just challenging the team and all of us to be better at what we do and take more diligence in like uh, how we go about our business because every out in the playoffs is magnified, every air in the playoffs is magnified. So we just need to like continue to focus on what we do and do what we individually do extremely well. So like if, if my job is to come in and clean up an inning, like I've got to do that extremely well. Focus on executing each pitch extremely well. Like seeing each pitch as a hitter extremely well and making the best at bat that you can make. Like you can make, in my opinion, you can have an outstanding at bat and still get out, right? Like, cause you're still setting yourself up for what potentially could happen next time. And so I, I don't know, like just like all those little things, like keeping it light, challenging guys, you know, and seeing the diligence in his work and preparation. Like to me, that's what stands out, but you don't see all of that because all you see is just how great he is on the field. And then it's just as, you know, I don't know, it's just as it's just as great like seeing it from like a distance in the clubhouse. You know, when I think about the National League West, there wasn't one COVID positive test. And I know this season has been so tough on the players, and now you guys are going into a bubble, which makes it even tougher. But just how nice was that that a lot of the teams you're playing, no one had a no one had a positive test. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I think it's a testament to how serious the players are taking it. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's a very interesting. You know, what the players signed off on when the season started. You know, like we we we're okay with like the health protocols. Well, then the health protocols aren't what we designed. We just okayed it, right? So we go we go through these health protocols. A couple teams have these outbreaks, and all of a sudden we're the ones to blame. And, you know, who knows exactly what goes on, but more guidelines come out. And then, you know, we're the ones that it almost just seems like, hey, we're going to stack as much on these players to carry a burden when it comes to accountability that if something does happen just because life happens, like go to a grocery store to buy food for your family and you come back and all of a sudden you have COVID. Like, what can you do? Nothing like that's life. But by the way, it's the player's fault because we're not accountable enough. Like to me, that's what I've maybe taken exception with. From like, you know, the powers at bay, you can draw between the lines if you want. But um, like, I 
I think the players have done a great job staying healthy. I think organizationally, the Dodgers have done a phenomenal job. They've had, you know, training staff and, you know, front office and coaches and players have all bought in and it's like, hey, it's going to suck, but it's only going to suck for three months. So let's just grind it out. And at the end of the year, let's try to reset and see if we can't get this country back in order with this COVID crud that everybody's having to deal with, you know, because we can complain all we want, but at the end of the day, like there's people around this country that are hurting in more ways than we are. And um, like, nobody wants to hear us complain about it, you know, but you know, what we're dealing with is very real too. What people are dealing with aside from us is even more real in the sense that, you know, we're blessed to have a job. You know, a lot of people are still hurting from these restrictions. So um, yeah, I mean, I I think teams across, the West have done a great job. I think even teams in the East have done a great job. The MLB as a whole has done a great job to me. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the, I think the players should be, uh, you know, commended for their efforts. Well, you were always gracious with your time with us when you were with the Oakland Athletics. You're a class act. We're always going to root for you. <laughs> good luck the rest of the way and good luck in the playoffs. And uh, best case scenario, we see it in the World Series, but we definitely will be rooting for you. All right. Sounds good, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Thank you, Blake. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Blake Trinan. He is a really, really good guy. And you dealt with him at the All-Star game, right? Yeah, when he was when the All-Star game was in DC, that was the year I told you Blake was uh on the run to being one, having one of the greatest seasons ever for a reliever. That ERA uh, was You ready to go back? I have that season up. Uh Well, hold on, let me see if I can guess it. I don't have it in front of me. I know he had all the right. .78 ERA. Correct. Uh did he have, was he 10 and 2? 9 and 2. 9 and 2. He had 100 strikeouts in 80 innings. 80 and a third. And I want to say that he had 38 saves. He had 38 saves in 68 games. He was unreal that year. And Jed Lauer uh, was also at the All-Star game too. But, yeah, I, don't, I interviewed him there. He is the nicest guy in the world when you talk, when you talk to him. Very soft-spoken, as we heard. That's never changed. He's been like that. But he's – and we dealt with him last year at the, on the field a lot at the Coliseum. He's, he's never changed. And he's very great. He has a great story too from how he got to where he is now. Starting at like a small college and, you know, almost giving baseball up. And then, you know, look at him now. I mean, he was great two years ago, down near last year, and he's back again this year, pitching for the Dodgers out of their bullpen, the second best bullpen in baseball behind just the ace. He would literally come by our set, and I would be talking, and Cody would be talking. We wouldn't even ask him. He'd pick up a baseball, sign it, we'd give it away on the air. I mean, it was like, most guys don't do that. I mean, and he would do it all the time. I mean, he's uh, he's a good dude. And, you know, that's the thing. You know, when you're in this game long enough, you really start rooting for people. Like, we're always going to root for Kurt Suzuki. We're always going to root for Sean Doolittle. We're always going to root for Josh Reddick. We're all, you know, these guys that were really good A's and that you establish relationships with. You you don't you don't forget that. Now they may play for a team you don't like, like the Astros, but but doesn't mean that. I mean, look at the time last year where Coco came down to do part of the show with me on the field, and Josh Reddick came over in uniform and did like a half hour. 
I mean, we've known Josh Reddick for years. I mean, you root for people inside that, like when Chip Hale and these guys are going to win the World Series with the Nats, you're rooting for them. You root for the people you know who are the good people in the game, and Blake Trinan's one of those guys. Yeah, he's, like I said, he's a salt-of-the-earth guy. He was, I, I enjoyed interviewing him at the All-Star Game, and that was back when I was just a morning show producer with no experience really ever talking on air. I never really, I mean, I did research for questions and stuff, but I never actually interviewed someone. But interviewing him and Jed was great. And, you know, it was just, I just learned then how nice of a guy he was. And I, again, like you're right, rooting for him and people like Sean Doolittle and stuff that we've seen. There were big parts of the eight. Stephen Vogt's another guy that people love and we like. Uh, it, it's a great part of getting to know some of these guys and, and wishing them well when they, they move on. Yeah, you, you always meet people you don't really care for that you cover. I mean, there's more, I think there's way more for you than for me. But it's going to happen in every sport, and but the, I think the you, the guys you meet that are the good guys are always going to outweigh the bad guys. Yeah, because that's life. You know, mo- most people have most people aren't bad people, and you, that that that's a reflection in, in sports. But yeah, this series, I'm digging it, and I can't wait for this game. Walker Bueller's gonna come out throwing smoke. Mike Fires, would you like some? Would you like a little Mike Fires knowledge? Uh, please. And there's one thing I wanted to say to you too. Maybe after you go over Fires, we never played the Kevin Cash audio. You wanted to? Oh, Cashy. Yeah, my friend, uh, uh, my good friend Kevin Cash, Cashy. Uh, Mike Fires is five and one with a three point four one ERA in his last six starts. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Kevin Cash, better known as Cashy on this program, talking to the media after the America, after the Rays clinched the, uh, Nat, the American League East. And I want you to just listen to the passion as a public speaker, as someone who obviously cares about his guys who obviously understands how brutal this season has been, only 60 games with everything they're dealing with. So the Rays clinched the AL East, and here is the manager after the game with the media. Well, the clinching, I mean, it, it was pretty exciting. Uh, I mean, I think we, we, we had the game pretty much in control. Certainly recognize what was going on in, in Buffalo. Um, but I don't know if you can ever prepare for a moment like that. It's pretty special. I mean, we, we, and the message to the guys was, again, congrats, thank you, and take a moment to you know look around the room and the many people that have been a part of this club this year, from staff to certainly players, our injured players, our entire organization, this is not an easy thing to do. There's not a people, not many people in this group that have been a part of winning a division. Uh, now, we, you know, we can all say that we are, uh, and that's pretty special. So, I mean, we've got a lot of new faces, but saying that this season brings you close together. You know, when, I don't think any of us will fully appreciate what they have accomplished and what they have been through to get here uh, probably for some time, not, not this offseason, years down the road, because I, I, hopefully this season is like no other. Um, 
for many reasons. Um, and that we don't have to experience this, but we keep finding ways to win. That is what brings you close together. Uh, you couldn't ask for a group that, that supports each other more. We, we, the guys harp on being good teammates. We, we, got, we got 28 great teammates and, and plenty more that, that aren't able to be here for celebration, for injury and stuff like that. Just a bunch of quality people. You know what that sounds like to me? A leader. And when we met him down in San Diego at the winter meetings, you, you get that sense. Now, I know that there in Tampa, the front office has a lot of control, but a lot of these front offices have the control. But someone's got to manage the people. We talk about it with Bob Melvin all the time. And his players love him. I mean, we talked to a couple of their players, and let me tell you something. He's making decisions that some players are not going to be happy with, but you know what? They trust him. They believe in him. They like him. Kind of reminds me a lot of Bob Melvin, a younger Bob Melvin. And like he said, you know, it may be years from now. I don't think it will be years from now, but it may be years from now where we all look back and go, wow. Well, Cashy learned from one of the most well-respected guys around Major League Baseball and Terry Francona. He was a coach under him in Cleveland, and then he got the job with with the Rays, and the Rays won their first division title since 2010. And they're – I mean, look at them last year. They were a great team last year. They're a great team this year. They're going to be a good team next year. Whatever the season looks like in 2021, they have a lot of talent. They do things very unorthodox, like the A's. Uh, they championed the opener, you know, my favorite strategy – even though they got rid of the original opener, who became like our best friend. Uh, but he's with the Marlins, so he could get in the postseason still. So pulling for that. The Marlins right now, Marlins right now quietly are, well, they haven't started yet. So, uh, But they're playing the Braves one more game, and then they've got to play the Yankees. So hopefully Don Mattingly can stick it to the Yankees and take his team to the postseason because he never could do that when he played for the Yankees. Is ever what, one time? Yeah, I uh, yeah, it was his last year of his career. But that 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 you know, leadership plays. You need good leadership, especially in a season like this. And when I I so I heard that clip, not that whole clip. I heard a little bit of it on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM earlier today. And I told Commander, we got to get that for the show. We got to play that. You can see why this guy is a terrific manager and why his players believe in him. And why they got it. they have as good a shot as anybody. Let's get into a little buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, well, we've been waiting for it because I told you we'd get to it later today. I'm buying Trevor Bauer, NL Cy Young Award winner. <laughs> so I'm not even, I don't even have to go over all this stuff. Man, I'm telling you, he could pitch on three days rest on Sunday. He's, if, he's pulling at CC Sabathia. And I'm glad that they're let, I'm glad the Reds are like, oh, you know, yeah, we're going to let him do it. The guy wants to do it. Let him do it. So, all right, so we'll move on. So the Yankees have uh, been a big story all season, from home runs to injuries to that Luke Voigt guy that leads uh, baseball on home runs. They're always in the headlines. Well, this headline caught my attention yesterday. Actually, it was two days ago now. 
Garrett Cole having Kyle uh, Higashioka catch him for the fourth straight time. Now, while Aaron Boone during his first spring, tra and during spring training said that in general he was against the notion of a personal catcher, it continues to see, seem like uh, Higashioka will be Cole's catcher going forward. When Cole took the mound against the Blue Jays, he stood at 6-3 with a 3.0 ERA, but 2-1 with a, with a .90 ERA with 27 strikeouts and his last three starts with Higashioka as his catcher. Buying or selling Garrett Cole having a personal catcher? Uh, I'm buying if the other option is the Sanchino. Oh, God. Told you in eight starts he was awful. <laughs> Garrett Cole was awful. <laughs> He's terrible defensively. He, he's just, I don't know what his deal is this year. He's just been really bad overall. Maybe he's bad last. He's been bad. When has he been a good catcher? Uh, are we talking about offensively or? Not offensively. How, when has he been good defensively? Oh, never. That's why he DH'd a lot. I mean, this year he's hitting, this year he's hitting 143 with 10 homers, 24 RBIs, an OPS plus of 68 in a minus .5 war. He's a negative war player for the Yankees, and they're, and he's still young. He's only 27. They're still banking on him to be the catcher of their future, and, well, he pr will be, but, I mean, he's really bad defensively, so the switch to DH could maybe be coming sooner than later for the Sanchino. So according to ESPN, if Steve Cohen gets the uh, approval by the other owners of Major League Baseball, he will be hiring Sandy Alderson as his team president to oversee baseball and business operations. This is from ESPN. 23 of 30 owners need to approve the transaction. Sandy was the Mets GM from 2010 to 2018 under the Wilpons. If this happens, what happens to Brody Van Wagenen? Well, last week, Carl Ravitch mentioned the Buster Only on the Baseball Tonight podcast that Steve Cohen should make a big splash and go after Brian Cashman to be the GM of the Yankees. Well, the Yankees didn't like that, apparently, because it came out today. You mean the GM of the Mets? Oh, yeah, to be the GM of the Mets. Sorry. It came out today that the uh, the Mets received word from the Yankees uh, from a high-level executive, this is according to Buster Olney, that Yankees general manager Brian Cashman was not available to them uh, for if they're looking to hire a GM. Buying or selling, Brian Cashman will be the next GM of the New York Mets. I am selling. Are you kidding me? How great would that be, though, if Steve Cohen not only brings in Sandy if he gets approved, and then he hires Brian Cashman from the Yankees, lures him away, and the Mets can finally be the the big market team they should have they should have been the entire time. Instead Let of me being... ask you a question: Why is he already talking about hires? You haven't been approved yet. Is he is is he is he announcing hires? So we will help get approved. Like people go, oh, Sandy's going to be there. We love Sandy Alderson. I think that's more of what it is. There, it's a, it's a look thing. It's an optics thing. He wants to have the optics where he get, he's bringing a guy that's really well respected in baseball. And Sandy, one of the godfathers, if not the godfather of modern analytics, and you have him as your president overseeing baseball and the business operations as a team president, and then he can bring in his own guy to be the GM because uh, I don't think Brody Van Wagenen's it. Uh, no offense to Brody, he's. Tried to do it with all these big trades he's made, but he's kind of, you know, ruined the future of the Mets with some of the big moves he's made. So it'll be interesting to see if Cohen gets approved. 23 or 30 owners have to approve it. All right, last one. And by the way, that means we'll have a friend of the program with the New York Mets. Yes, Andy. I mean, I, I'm, like I said, this is all speculative. And if he gets, you know, hired if it, by 
Cohen, but it'd be, that's a great hire for the Mets if, if he goes back there. The 2020 season started out great for the Rockies. They were 11-3 through their first 14 games. They looked like they might take down the Dodgers. Well, then they collapsed, and Nolan Arenado was placed on the IL for the, only the second time in his career due to a shoulder injury with eight games left. He hit 253 with eight homers, 26 RBIs in 48 games. His last two homers were on August 20th and September 8th, and his last extra base hit was September 9th. Now, the Rockies are rumored to look to try to trade the star during the offseason, and he still owes six years on his contract, but he has an opt-out after the, 2020, the 2021 season. Now, one team comes to mind for me that could take on his salary and give the Rockies what they need when it comes to prospects. Buying or selling Nolan Arenado will be a St. Louis Cardinal in 2021. Selling. Do you think he gets traded at all, or do you think he stays? I think he gets traded. I do too. I think with the way we don't know what baseball is going to look like with the financials, you can't. If you're the Rockies, the team is struggling. Can you really afford to pay him the money he's making if you're not going to compete, and then have him be disgruntled? It sucks because he's been a great guy, a great guy for that organization. But I, I still see them moving on. I, 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 the Cardinals are always a team that comes to me about where he could go. They can get uh, Matthew Libatori from from the Cardinals and a few other guys. Nolan Gorman's a top prospect third baseman, so they can give up a lot to get him. But the question is, will they do it? So but I'm going to go Texas Rangers. Well, that's a good one because they're te- uh, officially opening up the new ballpark to potentially have fans next year. So that makes sense. And they, that- and they, and they, and they need some star power. Yeah, I mean, Joey Gallo is uh, struggling to end the season, and they really don't have anyone else uh, on that on that team. Uh, Elvis Andrews is getting older. Rugnet Odor can't hit his weight. Um, who, who, are we forgetting anyone else on that team that's a offensive threat right now? Because they, they, they were great until that – 3-0 count Grand Slam, and they kind of, you know, uh, went in the tank after that. So, oh, that's it for today. Would they trade? Would they? Would they trade him to the Dodgers? I'm still with uh, the whole idea that the Dodgers are going to get Chris Bryant because Turner's a free agent, so you can get Bryant. Although the Dodgers drafted a first uh, third baseman in the first round last year, I think. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this offseason plays out because you still have the whole where's Lindor going to end up too. So. Be interesting. Well, I mean, they're all expensive, right? Yeah, all of them. But you already know what you're getting with with Arenado. You already know what the money is. Bryant and Lindor want new contracts. Yeah, and Bryant already turned on the deal. So this is this is their big payday. So my question is. Taking on the money from Nolan Arenado, will that be cheaper than what the grand total will be for for Lindor or for Bryant? I mean, it's I, I know we're, we're up against it, but I, if the Dodgers got one of those two guys next year, or hell, if they got both, <laughs> along with Betts and Bellinger and Lux, and I mean, you probably have to trade either Lux or Seager and. If I'm the Dodgers, I'd probably move on from Lux uh, after well, the way Corey Seager's played this year. Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? You, I mean, this was the greatest player of all time. You can't get rid of him. Yeah, you can't trade him. But, uh, you know, teams are going to ask for him or, or Ginger Guard. But, you know, this, this offseason is going to be very compelling to watch to see how every team operates going into next season. Hopefully it starts on time um, in 2021. 
I got to tell you, Ginger Guard seems like a total Tommy John guy to me. I, I was thinking about that the other day, too, that he looks like a guy that could have that potentially happen. Just, I mean, the, the hard he throws, sometimes he's off balance. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right, so what are we playing here? We're going to have the build with Dave Cavill before the A's full access. With Dave Cavill, I love it. And then I will be back getting you ready for a little A's baseball right here on A's Cast. That will be at 545. And we'll see you all tomorrow at 3 o'clock for another edition of A's Cast Live. Goodbye, Commander. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.